Every good rhyme starts with once upon a time. Long ago, far away, centuries before our day. Humans lived, monsters roamed, both shared earth and sky as home. Yet this peace came undone, war was waged and humans won. Welcome to Literary License Podcast, Book to Screen, Once Upon a Time episode. Exploring children's classics whilst losing our innocence along the way. Hello, welcome to Let Your License Podcast, and it's Book the Screen, where we'll be discovering dark children's novels. And today we're covering The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum and the f- classic 1930s film from MGM, which starring Judy Garland. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We've got Leandro Gazi with us. Hello, Leandro. Hello, everyone. we got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, guys. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to, starting with you, Leandro. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Working a lot, training. What are you training? training. No, training in the gym. Yeah. Um, um, need to go back to the allotment, you know, the, well, haven't been. Yeah. And basically, yeah, I've been watching a TV series, uh, having a DVD called Rosemary and Time with Pam Somebody Ferry. Somebody else told me about that. Somebody else is talking yeah, about it's that. it's really cool. It's like three seasons, eight episodes, I think, each season. And there are two friends that are gardeners, and they're doing, you know, projects. And every time they go somewhere, they, uh, they, they solve a mystery, like... Somebody else, one of my gal pals is talking about that show, told me I needed to watch it. And I still, I yeah, totally forgot about it till you said something. Yeah. It's really cool. So I, I watch it because basically I have a lot of DVDs and books that I want to sell, and a friend Bought me a lot of DVDs and I, I put it on a pile, so I'm watching, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, having all the week watching those ones, yeah, all good. What about, what about you? Oh, what about yourself, Vix? What are you even up to? Actually, we had a really sunny week. I wasn't in the house too much. I kind of laid low, as I said. I'm just getting over some kind of weird jungle cold that just stays forever. But I didn't even really watch too much. I, I was kind of like reverting back to old stuff again because way of things in the world such as it is i feel the need to go back to times when i was happy <laughs> so i've been watching older still i finally up to the seventh season a little house on the prairie <laughs> have not stopped watching the well see it's on a, a loop this channel it's all little house yeah and i cannot ever catch the seventh or eighth season because they show them at like two o'clock in the morning it's not like you can stop it and watch it and uh, I don't know why I keep watching the show. I just love it. I just keep watching it. So. Well, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime, the whole the whole series. Oh, is it really? I didn't have to see. I've been watching it. Well, it's on its own station here on Roku. So it just constantly oh. got to 
Yeah, so but, if, you, if you go to Amazon Prime into their free view and put Little House, you'll be able to watch all of them for free, and it'll just jump from next No, no episode. kidding. I didn't know that. Um, so you probably can um, start at season seven or season eight. Just And out. I've been watching a lot of the old... Uh, yeah, I've still been getting into... I found a bunch of old, like, 19... There's a whole station on Roku that has... Or is it on, I want to say, Max, actually, that has a whole thing of, like, 19... Re, reperb 1900 films. You know, they're all pre-code, obviously. But, oh, my God, these are actually brilliant. You know, I don't know how they did this shit back then. But for 1915, some of the stuff that they did, it's just amazing old silent film. And they only last like 15, 20 minutes. But, my God, some of them are just wild. They're just I, I can't stop watching them. They're just so much fun. And years ago, like I said, before COVID, I hardly ever paid attention to silent stuff. But when COVID happened, I just started watching all this cool stuff. I mean, it's just so much stuff out there that people have totally forgotten about. But other than that, still watching Miami Vice, just, you know, doing that stuff. But I'm just fixing to, I got to do stuff with the house because everybody I know has decided to come here for the April 8th eclipse because the big party's in the park out behind my house. So I've got to do something with my house before people get here. I got to actually do something with it, so. Other than that, not a whole lot. Just waiting for spring to sprung again, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been to the part where I'm moving on the 15th of February from London to Dallas. So, And we're shutting down the border. <laughs> now we'll shut it down because he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, but so that includes a lot of custom forms and contacting shipping companies and shipping my cat boo over to dallas which includes customs and crating injections oh, and health certificates and microchipping he has a microchip but i don't know i can't remember the number do you guys have, have a straight flight yeah we got a straight flight from london right to dallas so that's no problem oh that's good american sorry, airlines sorry. Yeah, i love that flight you're in texas yeah and you're going to dallas dallas is not texas dallas is texas dallas is texas Oh. Oh, we're yeah. North Texas for now. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting in <laughs> yeah. Are you fucking with us? No. <laughs> well, so, so, I mean, so that means he has, but he has to have a U.S. microchip put into him when he gets there, and they're going to do that. So, yeah, it's arranging all that and all the custom forms and the costs and everything like that. But It's not like moving to another state, that's for sure. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of stuff filling out. And I had to go to the embassy and get my emergency passport sorted out because my other passport was expired. So I got that. That was quick process. That actually didn't cost me anything. And the good thing is, is they're not going to charge me extra. They gave me a piece of paper. So when I mail, when I get to Texas, I can mail that in. They'll give me a free U.S. passport card and they'll give me a 10-year passport that will exchange over you know, automatically with no extra charge. So that's quite Okay, good. so and the we, British passport is going to change over to... I don't have a British passport. I have an American passport. I was going to say, you're still an American citizen. Okay. Yeah. So, no, it's just, I don't have an... I never had a British passport. The only thing I have is a British indefinite leave visa, which means that if I don't come back to the UK within two to three years, then I will become void. Oh, okay. So, so you'd have to it's start... five. That. No, it's five. I have the same. It's five years. Basically, five. it's like the same, like a green card. Yeah. If you let the government know that you're going, but then you will come back, they don't, they don't know if you're coming back to leave or to a holidays, 
he will he will be okay. Yeah, but Andrew, if you I think go you on, need to I think you need to jump on a plane and come to America for the big solar eclipse that we're gonna have April eighth. It's the end of the world. Everybody's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now well, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of maybe going to USA. Yeah. Um because I came to UK to get to have one year of experience to go back to USA and Indiana I never did it. And I thought, well, time is passing. And if I don't do it now, when I'm going to do it? Never. Yeah. My friend is there. He has a job. The things, the job offers are a bit not really great. But then I thought, well, it's just for a one year. I need to think properly the what I want not to so do. Hot right now. But well, there's there, jobs. Yeah, there are jobs available. It's just that whether you want are willing to do them or not. So oh, he, I, mean, I, I had no problem. Booming. Well, I had no. I mean, I tried other states to apply for jobs, and I had no problem getting interviews. So. Right. But I think, you know, that's what your CV's like as well. So, yeah, they they look at that. But also, I mean, if you're, I mean, Texas is booming. I don't know about the rest of the country as much, but I know Texas is just growing leaps and bounds. Wait till you see, you won't even recognize it when you get here. It's crazy. Crazy growth. I mean, there's going to be some adjustment to go through and stuff like that as it is moved to any traffic i mean i'm from there originally anyway so I'm five gonna... o'clock rush hour which starts at two o'clock in the afternoon which actually starts at five in the morning and just goes all day well i mean it'd be, that's london you can't get i mean put it this way if i was gonna, if i didn't have the tube straight the tube or the, if i was driving to work it would take and the travel on tube is 35 minutes if i drove it would take me an hour and a half to get to where i work well, hopefully you can get a you can get a job can, in the northern cities as opposed to going to the evil city of Dallas every day because that's well. I'm, I'm just saying that to draw to, for me to drive for uh, it, it's faster for me to walk to work than it would be for me to drive to work from where I'm at at the moment. So London, yeah. well, that's um, that that's nothing new for me. The only that's difference, the one thing we don't the, road, the roads are wider. That's the only difference. We so. need better infrastructure here, no doubt. They don't pay enough attention to that. But, you know, the thing is, you know, with, when you're working, I mean, I lived in Chicago and I worked in Evanston and that was, that was a two and a half hour commute that I drove. Oh, I bet. That's north of Chicago, isn't it? Yeah. And I lived, yeah. and I lived in the Printer's Row, which was in the city of Chicago. So, I mean, I'm used to, I mean, I, I've done that before. So, you know, if that's, if that's the way it's going to be, to be honest, though, most of the jobs. It'll be the, driving here. We don't have that kind of stuff here, rails and all that yet. They're well, getting there, but it's not. I didn't I didn't have it in Chicago either. So, yeah. And even in Tulsa, Tulsa had none of that. And I had to drive and I get caught in rush hour and that would take me a couple of hours. It's just a it's just way of life. Yeah, you just you just have to get used to it and just have to lock to it. But saying that most of the jobs that have been offered to me are most of them are working from home and going into the office one day a month or one day a week so you know so basically it's like so you know i'm I'm sure i'll just have to get up earlier on the on the one day i have to go into the office so so i mean i'll you you adjust you just have to adjust so yeah you'll be fine you guys will be fine so and as far as watching on anything on television not really i'm playing a lot of fallout 4 on xbox replaying that at the moment is that the big thing in, in gaming this week? Because I don't keep up with that stuff. Well, Fallout 4 came out quite a few years ago, so I'm just replaying it because I can listen to my my playlist while that's playing in the background, and I go and save the world from nuclear annihilation. So I feel like... I've seen I'm, Tyler on there. He's been playing that. Does he? Okay. 
I mean, we all go by code names. So unless he uses my Xbox code is Wolf, I think he's still six, six, something, six. something Bravo. Something, I don't remember what he is anymore. I don't play. I've never been good at it. I always get killed and I'm in a total embarrassment to the family of gaming. So we don't let grandma game. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, killed. I stopped smoking. So I've gone to vaping. So I don't know if I've gone from one vice to another. So yay. But at least it's more. Well, it's, it's, it's a start. It's a start. Well, it's more socially acceptable than smoke. I can't, won't be able to smoke. Not really. Everybody hates the vaping too. Yeah. Well, I just thought well, I can go outside and just walk around and whatever. So, I mean, it's not a big deal. So it is. Mm. It is. So yeah, but you go you go back to to USA when when Starbucks muffins are the the side they should man. I I love USA. <laughs> you love USA. Come to USA. We want you here. We need more. Friends. I will be rolling. I'll vouch for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that brings us to our presentation, which is The Wizard of Oz. And the first thing that we'll be covering is the book. And The Wizard of Oz is a 1900 children's novel written by author L. Frank Baum and illustrated by W.W. Denslow. It is the first novel in the Oz series of books. A Kansas farm girl named Dorothy ends up in the magical land of Oz after she and her pet dog Toto are swept away from their home by a cyclone. Upon her arrival in the magical world of Oz, she learns she cannot return home until she has destroyed the Wicked Witch of the West. The book was first published in the United States in May 1900 by the George M. Hill Company. In January 1901, the publishing company completed printing the first edition, a total of 10,000 copies, which quickly sold out. It has sold 3 million copies by the time it entered the public domain in 1956. It was often reprinted under the title The Wizard of Oz, which is titled the successful 1902 Broadway musical adaption, as well as the classic 1939 live-action film. The groundbreaking success of both the original 1900 novel and the 1902 musical prompted Brom to write 13 additional Oz books, which served as official sequels to the first story. Over a century later, the book is one of the best-known stories in American literature, and the Library of Congress has declared the work to be the America's greatest and best-loved homegrown fairy tale. What we're going to do is cut to the tra to the synopsis of Wizard of Oz and be right back. This is the plot synopsis for The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Dorothy Gale was a young girl who lives with her Auntie M, Uncle Henry, and dog Toto. On a farm on a Kansas prairie, one day Dorothy and Toto are caught up in a cyclone that deposits them and the farmhouse into Munchkin County in the magical land of Oz. The falling house has killed the Wicked Witch of the East, the evil ruler of the Munchkins. The Good Witch of the North arrives with three grateful munchkins and gives Dorothy the magical silver shoes that originally belonged to the Wicked Witch. The Good Witch tells Dorothy that the only way she can return home to Kansas is to follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City and ask the great and powerful Wizard of Oz to help her. 
As Dorothy embarks on her journey, the Good Witch of the North kisses her on the forehead, giving her magical protection from harm. On her way down the yellow brick road, Dorothy attends a banquet held by the munchkin named Bok. The next day, she frees the scarecrow from the pole on which he is hanging, applies oil from a can to the rusted joints of a tin woodsman, and meets a cowardly lion. The scarecrow wants a brain, the tin woodsman wants a heart, and the lion wants courage, so Dorothy encourages them to journey with her and Toto to the Emerald City to ask for help from the wizard. After several adventures, the travelers arrive at the Emerald City and meet the Guardian of the Gates, who asks them to wear green-tinted spectacles to keep their eyes from being blinded by the city's brilliance. Each one is called to see the wizard. He appears to Dorothy as a giant head, to the Scarecrow as a lovely lady, to the Tin Woodman as a terrible beast, and to the Lion as a ball of fire, with the intention of scaring them all, but of course choosing the wrong image to make the desired impression. He agrees to help them all if they kill the Wicked Witch of the West, who rules over Winky Country. The Guardian warns them that no one has ever managed to defeat the Witch of the West. The Wicked Witch of the West sees the travelers approaching with her one telescopic eye. She sends a pack of wolves to tear them to pieces, but the Tins Woodman kills them with his axe. She sends a flock of wild crows to peck their eyes out, but the Scarecrow kills them by twisting their necks. She summons a swarm of black bees to sting them, but they are killed while trying to sting the Tins Woodman, while the Scarecrow's straw hides the others. She sends a dozen of her winky slaves to attack them, but the lion stands firm to repel them. Finally, she sees the power of her golden cap to send the winged monkeys to capture Dorothy, Toto, and the lion. She cages the lion, scatters the straw of the scarecrow, and dents the tin's woodsman. Dorothy is forced to become the witch's personal slave, while the witch schemes to steal her silver shoes' powerful magic. The witch successfully tricks Dorothy out of one of her silver shoes. Angered, she throws a bucket of water at the witch and is shocked to see her melt away. The Winkies rejoice at being freed from her tyranny and help restuff the Scarecrow and mend the Tins Woodman. They ask the Tins Woodman to become their ruler, which he agrees to do after helping Dorothy return to Kansas. Dorothy finds the Witch's Golden Cap and summons the Winged Monkeys to carry her and her friends back to the Emerald City. The King of the Winged Monkeys tells her how he and his band are bound by the enchantment to the Cap by the sorceress Galette from the North, and that Dorothy may use it to summon them two more times. When Dorothy and her friends meet the wizard again, Toto flips over a screen in the corner of the throne room that reveals the wizard, who sadly explains that he is a humbug, an ordinary old man, who, by a hot air balloon, came to Oz long ago from Omaha. He provides the scarecrow with a head full of bran, pins and needles, a lot of bran, new brains, the tins woodsman with a silk heart stuffed with sawdust, and a lion a potion of courage. Their faith in his power gives these items a focus for their desires. He decides to take Dorothy and Toto home and then back to Omaha to his balloon. At the send-off, he appoints the Scarecrow to rule his stead, which he agrees to do after helping Dorothy return to Kansas. Toto chases a kitten in the crowd, and Dorothy goes after him, but the ropes holding the balloon break, and the wizard floats away. Dorothy summons the winged monkeys and tells them to carry her and Toto home, but they explain they can't cross the desert surrounding Oz. The soldier with the green whiskers informs Dorothy that Glinda, the good witch of the south, may be able to help her return home, so the travelers begin their journey to see Glinda's castle in Quadling Country. On the way, the lion kills a giant spider who is terrorizing the animals in a forest. They ask him to become their king, which he agrees to do after helping Dorothy return to Kansas. Dorothy summons the winged monkeys a third time to fly them over a hill to Glinda's castle. 
Glinda greets them and reveals that Dorothy's silver shoes can take her anywhere she wants to go. She embraces her friends, all of whom will return to their new kingdom through Glinda's three uses of the golden cap. The Scarecrow to the Emerald City, the Tins Woodman to the Winky Country, and the Lion to the Forest. After which the cap will be given to the King of the Winged Monkeys, freeing him and his band. Dorothy takes Toto in her arms, knocks her heels together three times, and wishes to return home. Instantly, she begins whirling through the air and rolling on the grass of the Kansas Prairie up to the farmhouse, though the silver shoes fall off her feet en route and are lost in the deadly desert. She runs to Auntie Anne, saying, I'm so glad to be home again. And that was the synopsis for The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast. We're discussing the book, The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. So, Vicki, what are your thoughts of the book, The Wizard of Oz? Well, there's 13 of them. There actually there's 13 more, so I bought all of them because it was cheaper to buy all of them in a compendium than it was to buy just the one book. And it wasn't that long. I thought, considering the movie, there'd be all kinds of shit. They left out a lot of stuff in the movie, but we'll get to that that there was in here and they totally changed everything well i talked to keith about it like she had silver shoes in the book and i was like why did she got red shoes and then oh yeah technicolor but the one that's kind of hard not to explain the book the book is like black and white when it starts out just like the movie does kind of so mm-hmm. i kind of like how they did that i also I, I i noticed that the witch wasn't a huge part in this story as she is in the movie it's more like it's sort of like Lord of the Rings. They're trying to get to wherever they got to get to and they have to go through all of this like they have like I really liked how much. This, well, they were all searching for that which they already possess a heart, a brain, the nerve, you know, all of that, you know, except Dorothy can't get home. But they all, you know, they were searching for things that they already had. And I like the like the Munchkin Land thing that was even more. There was more like what are they? The, what are those Cossack looking like? It's called Minsky's in this. Yeah, Munchkins. is that what they are? Miskies or something like that. And the Cowardly Lion in in this is actually not so cowardly, but he I, I don't know. He does a lot like you know the rats apparently where he gets the mice or the rats it is to to save everybody by joining yeah. fields. And, I mean, it's just all this shit that I didn't know would happen. And I would really have given my eye teeth to see some of this manifest in the MGM production, but it didn't. But it's a, it's a really, it's a fun book. I can't say that I disliked it at all. And like I said, I'm probably going to read the other stories because I always wanted to know what happened. There's no closure going back to that sad, old, boring Kansas farm. Have you been to Kansas? Holy yeah. shit. That's, that, that, I, I've uh, driven to Kansas. And it's just, I'm sorry, Kansas people. But, you know, it, it was it was a really fun book. And I did like how they made it like gray and, you know, and it's a dark novel. There's really nothing about this that's it's like, oh, a little good for the kiddies stuff. I mean, there's some scary shit in this book. I had no idea. It's sort of like Snow White and Rose Red. You know, if you've read that, you realize that that story is nothing like the other one. Well, when you get the Wicked Witch sending, like, wolves to tear them to pieces. But... Yeah, I mean. And then, and, then they, and then the woodman kills them all with his axe. You're like, what? Yeah. Well, and the Tin Man was actually a man, but, yeah. you know, and he was cursed and he turned into a Tin Man and as he was broken hearted. I mean, it's just and then you got the well, the only ones make sense is that the Scarecrow says, you know, don't follow your heart, use your brain. So he obviously had his head screwed on right in the book. Yeah. You know, there's definitely cautionary tales throughout it. And there's all kinds of lessons to be learned, you know, 
And I mean, it's about friendship and sticking together and just getting through it. It is. It's like going to Mordor or something. (laughs) It is. Think about it. They go through hell. But I mean, I've always wanted to see a really good representation of the book film. I would too. I would too. Because I mean, you got, I mean, the the whole Wicked Witch thing before they even get to see her when she, because she rolls over the winky country. And I like the idea that Box in it because Bach is an interesting character because Bach ends up becoming a huge character in the the book series Wicked. That's Uh, right. Oh, my God. That's great. Because Bach ends up um, dating the Wicked Witch of the West's sister, the Wicked Witch of the East, and it doesn't work out well for him. So so that was quite interesting to see that because I always thought Wicked was more about the uh, takeoff of the film. Yeah. I didn't realize he'd taken bits of the, the book from it. But I mean, when the Wicked Witch, I mean, you know, the wolves, and then she sends out the crows that peck out their eyes and kills them, yeah. by twi- and, the, and the Scarecrow kills them by tw- twisting the monkeys. It, it's and almost like he was giving a nod to Grimm's fairy tales, too, because a lot of that heinous shit was going on in Grimm's, and everybody thinks, oh, these fairy tales are just so sweet. <laughs> but there's no, wi- I mean, there's no, there's no winged monkeys in the book either, which I was quite shocked at. Well, they, 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 they come in later, but I mean, after yeah. she's. And then she sends the black beetles out them, and then the lines, you know, repels them. And then, and then she sends the golden cap, and then she puts on their golden cap, which sends the wing monkeys to capture, you know, to capture. That them. I would have liked to see the golden cap. I had no knowledge of the golden cap, but she only has a certain amount of usage to that. Or she gives it back to Glinda. Yep. And then another odd thing is, is that it doesn't end. They go back, you know, once the witch gets melted, and then they go back. And they realize that basically that the that he can't help them, the wizard can't help them because he's yeah. a humble. But they then have to go to the north and see the the good witch of the north. And this is what I really liked. I liked the the, ch- the town that's all made of china. Yeah, I would kill to see. A rep- I mean, I wouldn't even be offended on a redo. But I mean, it would have to be on a scale of MGM's proportions to redo a story like that. You can't really talk about the book without the movie. I mean, you really can't. But I mean, there's so much they left out and they could do so much with it. You know, all this Marvel bullshit they're putting out. If they could just get their shit straight and it's something like that, they'd have a freaking money maker. Well, (laughs) the thing is, but I'm kind of wondering, like, if because if you once you read this book, and then, of course, they did do a sequel movie called Return to Oz, which right. was really dark. And then there was a lot of, like, oh, my God, this is so dark. This is taking away from our beloved, you know. Dorothy. So I'm kind of wondering if that's what's keeping them from doing it because of all the flack they got from. Because Return to Oz is very was a very dark, twisted movie in itself. But, you know, Wicked, Wicked covered, and stuff like that. Wicked did very well. Yeah, yeah but Wicked, Wicked took it from another point of view where they looked at the politics that were going on in Oz at the time and how F, the reason mm-hmm. why Elf is cruel is because... Sort of she, like Maleficent. She was misunderstood, too. Yeah, she's like, she's like oh. a mis- misunderstood. And then her and Glenda weren't friends and they became friends. And then her sister was in a wheelchair and then the, the red slippers helped her walk. Right. You know, you know he, he created this world and Wicked that's just... The books are fantastic. The musical leaves a lot out again, but the, when you read right. the book, the son of the witch and the three. But it does kind of give the the I the viewpoint from the wicked witch's stance because there's always another viewpoint. You know that yeah. little bitch. She came into my turf and fucked up my world. Is basically what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wicked, wicked is you know. I mean, we will be covered. Well, I mean, wicked, the movie will be coming out. 
next at the end of this year. Are they, is it? I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be out summertime. No, it's not it probably be- out summertime. It's, it's being split in two halves. So by when both halves are out, then we'll probably cover Wicked in our series. But but I was quite interested at because I did read the book Wicked and I read. I didn't read of- Wicked yet. Is it worth read? Oh, it's well oh, it's worth good. Reading. Okay. And the only problem is, is I kind of wish I saw the musical first, then read the book, because when I read the book first and saw the musical, I was highly disappointed because there's a lot of stuff in the book that's totally left out because it deals with so more, you get more disappointed if you read the book first. Yeah, but it's always it's, that way, though. Well, I think it's because um, it deals with all the politics and the alpha uh, alphabet, what she's called and wicked is. Yeah. The, the wizard is like um, telling all animals they can no longer talk and taking their voices away and trying to make everything dentified. And so it's, it's got a, a really dark, twisted thing going on behind it. And that's the reason why the, the Wicked Witch is reviled and the, how the media and the Oz has turned her into this evil creature because she's going mm-hmm. against the, pop, the go- government. So that, but what I found quite interesting is, is that. That's familiar. <laughs> Yeah, but what I found quite interesting is that I always thought Wicked was, ba- you know, like a look, a different look from the musical, the movie that we're going to be discussing later. But I, there's a lot of the what's in this book is in Wicked, which is quite interesting. So, but, but I, I love the book. I mean, the thing is, I, I have, I went through a period of reading the Wizard of Oz books back in, I guess, when I was 18, 19, and I read about seven of them, you know, and, you know, Dorothy. I didn't know there was 13 more books. I did not know. Well, Dorothy, Dorothy disappears at some point. She doesn't. I was last. I was all a whole month year old when I figured that out last night. I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't wait to read them because they, they're not long. They're not long and they're very episodic and they're very quick to go through. So. So it's actually. Well, a good I, read. I, I watched the, the first thing I watched was the movie. And then a friend, we went to see the musical Wicked. And then we oh, watched a movie, you. a movie with Mila Kunis. I can't remember. The thing is called The Great Oh. So it's yeah. not that easy. Well, the thing is, by the time I start to read the book, I have a like a fruit salad in my head. I couldn't understand, you know, what was going on first, second. And the book in that, that case was really cool because I put me like kind of in context. Then I asked this friend and then he said, well, the thing is the movies, some movies are like, are other times the thing that happened earlier, the thing that happened be like before and after. So it's like I really enjoyed the book. In a way, I was trying to to think like what was about. It's like in one way it was like appearances because, for example, when Oz arrived to Oz, the well, the the the, the kingdom, let's say. The people like because they saw he came in a hot air balloon, so that he was he has powers. He he said he explained it actually. He said like nobody gave him time to explain that what he he couldn't do any tricks that he was he was just a ventriloquist, and he didn't want to let anyone down. So then he started to say kind of yes to everything they were asking, and that was really interesting. But at the same time, as you said, Vicky. The lion, for example, he was really courageous. It was just that he was not believing in... in well, they in all had the traits that they were wishing yeah. for. They already had all those things. It was just within themselves to find it. And even even Dorothy. Dorothy wanted to go to Kansas. And I, and then I realized, okay, the witch was sending the bees, the the, the crowds to, to kill them. And he, I think she had like 
you know that those people that you said this this person can be so lucky it's in the, the in the moment in the perfect place and time and they don't do anything and everything works for them <laughs> because if you think like, when when the bees came to attack them dirty didn't do anything at all it was just there and uh, the other have something that like he didn't have so that was was really cool how everything was like working the same together even for example like when she destroyed the witch she even knew that 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 the witch was scared of her because she had a mark on the forehead about a uh, key and the shoes and then she throw water just for throwing water and then destroy her like your luck was it like she dumped the bucket on her in the movie you know, yeah. it was it was kind of different. But didn't you like how in the book everybody ended up where they were supposed to be? Though everybody had a yeah. place at the end of the book. Like, yeah, yeah the golden cab drives them off in each place where they need to be. Yeah, and the Tin Man was the leader of the, what, the Winkies or whatever they're called or whatever. I mean, yes. Everybody had a place and a purpose at the end of the novel, which is kind of cool because it does set up for other books. I'm assuming. But and then in the end, she doesn't wake up with a bump on her head, does she? She actually was there, I guess. Yeah, she actually yeah. travels. Yeah, I I like, I like that. that ending better. I don't like the dream yes. sort of ending. I like that's like I wanted her to be an Osgod. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree because for me, it's like it make it more real rather than oh, okay. Yes, I woke up and then in the movie you don't know if it that was a dream if she was like oh no like ill or. And this one is more clear. It's like, okay, she she was gone for a while. We don't know how much time. Yeah. Well, no, I really really enjoyed the same thing. I I saw I, I thought the same thing you said. It's like, well, hold on, the shoes are silver, and now in this one are red. But well, then this said red... it was for Technicolor because that's what. Technicolor... No, the thing is, they were silver. I think because the wicked the the witch from the east that was the owner. In, it's like each each kingdom has like a color. In that's right, because white represented witchcraft. And my friend sent me an interesting article. This guy was into witchcraft as he wrote this story. He's got all the elements and everything. It's really fascinating. He's got well, all the elements represented. If you remember now, in Glinda's kingdom, I think the the path was red. Yeah. So I imagine I imagine that whoever owns the shoes, wherever like kind of wherever you go, the, the, the Ooh, change point. the color. That's a good point, Leandro. I didn't think of that. Mm. I didn't think of that. Because White, because remember, what was his name? The other main character that emerged, I can't remember his name. But he thought that Dorothy was a sorceress because she had the white in her dress. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember reading that. And he and her silver shoes. So mm -hmm. there, there's some merit to that. Mm. I mean, there is a there is an interesting movie about L. Frank Bombs. It was a TV movie starring Jeffrey Coombs is L. Frank Holland. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I never watched it, but I know what movie you're talking about. Okay. It's quite good, actually. I mean, it's something that's actually worth worth catching. John Richard played him in call, a film called The Dreamer of Oz, the L. Frank Bomb story, which is quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. I would need to watch that now. I'd be more interested, more inclined to watch it now after reading the book. Mm -hmm. He had an interesting life because I think what's interesting with him is he did that same thing that Lewis Carroll did with Alice in Wonderland, that he had this childhood friend named Alice, so he wrote this book about Alice, right. where Frank Baum had, a Frank Elbaum had a daughter, Dorothy, and he used her as a template. 
and his aunt Madge was Auntie M, and you know it's quite interesting. That's kind of cool. I gotta watch that. That's and he had a fear of scarecrows, so he decided to humanize the scarecrows, so that way he wouldn't have a fear of scarecrows anymore. So that's how the scare. So it's quite interesting when you re- read a little bit more about him and how he came up with the characters and how he did this. And he and he came up and he started making up the story for his daughter as a bedtime story. And then he decided to write it down. And then of course the rest is history. So, but I mean, this book has been out for a hundred and twenty-four years. Isn't that wild? Wow. And it's still relevant. I mean, the good thing about it now is that you can get all the books on your Kindle. For under a pound, the whole series now because they're all the copyright's gone on them now, so there's no copy- public domain. Yeah, public domain. So, but I, it was quite funny. The copyright lasts one hundred years. Yeah. So for everything. Yeah. Lots of stuff. I mean, well, wasn't the Wizard of Oz just did their 80th? Didn't they just do an 80th? 2019, their 80th. Yeah. Well, it was 1939, so when it came out, so but I have. It's funny when I was packing, I was packing my books. I had the Wizard of Oz in a hardback, but it is the Antonite. So it goes through, like when you read it, it has all the notes. And I didn't, I read this on Kindle because it's easier to carry around than this heavy book. But I was like, it's like, I forgot I had this. It's like, so as I'm packing, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> <It's> like, so, <laughs> but I mean, the Wizard of Oz is, I, I do wonder that the reason why they may not have stuck to the novel be too hard. I, I got a feeling that you probably are going to go, I mean, you're probably going to go from a G-rated to a PG version because there's a lot of violence in this book. A lot of wicked violence. There's a lot of like, it's, <laughs> it's like it's like blood cannon violence, you know? Yeah. I would love to see. Well, they've done it with, let's say, they did it with Pooh. They've done it with Banana Splits. Let's just do it with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> well, what kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of got me the most is like, another thing is like when she goes to that town that's all made out of China. Yeah. Chips and yeah. it breaks and they die. All yes, is, I know. They, and, they get, and they're chip and they probably get chips and it's like, God, it's, could you imagine being made out of China? It's like, oh my God, this is like be, it's like be made out of porcelain. It's like no, but well, they no, but they were saying that they they never died. They just get glued again. But there's not nice yeah, to be glued right. parts. So I, the message is cool. It's like you think like pull yourself uh, together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Never be able, they'll never be able to hold water ever again. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. For me, like, as you see again, uh, appearances here is really important. The china, if it is broken, you see the cracks, it's not good looking to see it. Everything, like, for example, Oz seems to be a great wizard, a big thing. And in the end, it's all, it's all a fiasco. It's all like all the things that you think that are like great, then you realize that they're not so great. Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't really a wizard, was he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, but 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 everything is remembered. Like, yes, even the book is called the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> he was such an asshole, though. He didn't have to make it so hard on everybody. What a dude! <laughs> well, it's almost it's all smoke and mirrors with him, isn't it? It's like, but literally it's, smoke and which, mirrors. You know, kind of going back to Wicked. I mean, when you read the book and and you realize that basically the wizard is not a great person, but he has a, he's just a person with good PR. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? It's just PR because nothing nothing they said he could do he could. Nothing he's nothing that they everyone said that he could do. He couldn't do any of it. Well, he just assumed leadership <laughs> yeah. too, didn't he? When he got there. Well, to be honest, the people 
you know, it's quite weird because even the witches, when you look at Glenda or you look at the Wicked Witch of the West or you look at the the Good Witch of the North, they're and all the people, they're not very bright. You know, they kind of just accept yeah. what they just it's accept. Kind of reflective on modern society. Well, they just reflect what's being spoon fed to them, and they just accept it, and they don't rebel. Well, I don't know. I was while I was reading the book, is like I was thinking, like in society in general, and in the, th the same thing happens. Like, for example, here in UK is more is really important, you know, like the first impression look smart, even though maybe then you are not sm smart at all. Right? I have I have I have met people that uh, they seem they seem to be really sharp, really like with a lot of brains, and then you meet them then more, and then you realize that no, they just have good luck maybe, but they don't have a lot of brains or idiots. And it's like... Yeah, it's a bit like watching Love Island. It's like you look at them and oh, like, it's like, you look at them and they go, oh, they're really beautiful, and then they open their mouth and go, no, they're fucking ugly. Oh my god, my daughter is all you would love you think, look, if you think the same thing happens with on Instagram, it's really interesting because I posted in my Instagram a picture where I, I'm really fat. I was like 120 kilos and I posted. It, it, it demanded me a lot of me to, to post. But I thought, well, if I don't see it and I don't pull it, I won't, I won't work as hard as I want to. And then my brother-in-law said, man, I love it because you know what? I'm fed up of seeing on Instagram the the, the the happy life of everyone because it's true. If you go to Instagram, everything is like happy moments, happy time, and we are not all the time like that. But it's, yeah. this, but it's, like, you, it's like but it's like a photo album, isn't it? Because your photo you put your pictures in your photo album, but when you're having a really shitty time in your life you don't take you don't get your camera out and like photograph yourself no. <laughs> look at this is everyone at the funeral oh aren't they, aren't they great no 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 i understand what you're saying day drinking would be a more guttural response no but, but this is neither the breakup of my relationship <laughs> no but an idiot. What, what i'm saying is in this society if you're not stable in your mind it's really easy to to think that that people it's having that great life, living, for example, you know, in Dubai, blah, 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 and all that That's shit. That's like social media. People put all this wonderful shit on. Their yeah. life probably is shit, but they but put that saying, on there anyway. So, but but yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying is if they're like people that are not mentally like strong, you could think, okay, well, my life is a crap. And I, <laughs> and I don't have any tool to, to change it, even though maybe you have. But You do. You just got to is really It's really... Like for me, I have realized it's really dangerous how how the system, for example, of Instagram work. And I will give you an example. This morning, I put I put a I wanted to know where was an an island in the world. It was the Canary Island, but I put the name. Right, and this is how the the system of of the the internet works these days. Put it in Google. Two minutes later, appear on YouTube an advertisement on holidays in that place. Another oh, yeah. oh, that happens all the time. I and mean, we had, a, oh, like, had those algorithms. I'm, I'm talking yes. to my girlfriend on the phone. And as we speak, this is no lie. I've got, I can save the conversation. I'm sitting there talking to her. And all of a sudden, well, you know, we're both Facebooking and doing our stupid shit that we do. And all of a sudden, that algorithm pops up in the exact thing. Yes. You know Facebook why? Before. Just no. there. Oh, it, it, I mean, um, because. 
They say that Google has something activated that le when you when you oh, have calls, it's not, it's not just Google. It's not just it's everywhere. It's not just, it's it's not just Google. It's Apple, Apple, the same thing. Any any your mobile phone. Any any any, any any social media based product, it will do but, that. But not but not even social media. For instance, I'll put it this way: Ferris and I were coming back from the embassy, and the Tomb Raider remastered is coming out. They're doing all three oh, remasters. Oh, you were telling me about that last night. Oh, and, and we were having a conversation about whether I should buy it on Switch. So I can have it when I'm traveling and I can play it. Or should I just buy it on Xbox? Let's get it when on I, Xbox. When I got home, I had all these news articles on my phone. Uh, the different, isn't that weird? Different, different platforms. Is Big but, Brother really watching us that much? I mean, I know they watch no, us. They say, no, they say that it's not nobody behind watching. It's, is the algorithm it's weird, is, Leandro. Is it's creepy, weird. No, no, it, 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 it's 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 fucked up. It's like if you start to think how it works, it it scare you. But, but it's like the algorithm, the algorithm is not working on that. The algorithm wants to know what what things that you visit. That's all. There's nobody behind. Yeah, time to then. I mean, I, so I found it a bit weird. Only because I, was, I was walking down the street having a conversation, and my phone was in my pocket, and Harris's phone was in his pocket. And when I got home, there was all the these news articles about you know on my on my news on my news platform. Not even, or if I'm having a conversation about seeing a movie, like I want to go. I was interested about seeing the Color Purple, the musical, and I mentioned it with Nolan on the phone. And when I got off the phone, there's um all these reviews of Color Purple that popped up on my news. But, you know, saying that, 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 to be honest, it doesn't really bother me. Google, for instance, gives me a, every month it gives me a tracking of where I've been. Yeah. I've and and what, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not bothered by that. What bothers me the most is about how boring my life is because it'd be like homework, 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 home, LD, home, homework, 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 home, LD, home. <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, this is like my, my life is so boring. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to adulthood. But <laughs> so, well, but I mean the thing is, I mean when it comes to social media and this kind yeah. of stuff, anyway, I mean anyone who you know this bit like oh I'm being bullied on social media or whatever like this. What always got me about that is like you do know that you can block people. Yeah. And another thing is is like, and you know if if you're going around life looking at your Instagram followers and basing your life around um, Instagram um, or any social media, which is a false reality anyway. Right. And given that these people have a fantastic life and da, 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 da. I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, but you, you know, you got to look at yourself because when you're not having a good time or you're not feeling your best, you're not out there taking pictures about how wonderful your fucking life is. No. You, you put your camera away and then when good things happen to you, you get the phone. Oh, look, they're having a birthday party or whatever. Do you guys you notice yeah. the picture of the year? I, I, I realized, you know, the song Prisoners of Our Own Device. Yeah. I was watching them count down midnight in the Eiffel Tower. You know how it lights up and gets all pretty when you're there? Everybody yeah. had their phone trained on it instead of looking at the beauty of the situation. Oh, yeah. They were I mean, watching it through their phone. It was a sea of cell phone. So it's all that's all we do now. Nothing is real. Well, people are well, people are do people are documenting their lives but not living their lives. That's no, the exactly. There you go. But, but another well, thing, that, is, that, well, that, the thing is, is unless people realize that social media 
is not true. Like, I mean, even when news feeds and stuff like this, it's like it gives you the news feeds that you want. So basically, you don't actually this. see, yeah. Yeah, but but doesn't it's not giving you the opposing view of what you should be seeing, basically. Because to be honest, you should you should see what you believe in, but you should be seeing the opposing view, and then somewhere in the middle, you'll find the truth. Well, but, if you have a good if you have a good periodical or news station, they show you what the other. Well, yeah, but you, but you have to search for this stuff. I mean, they're, yeah, you, know, you do because you're not going to get not, the it's not, it's, not, it's not the stuff that's going to be fed to you because they're going to feed you stuff that you want to hear. But mm. you know, we have to society as a society realize fact from fiction anyway and if, if you know something happens and you're comparing yourself to other people and other people's lives you're gonna be miserable but, i mean that that's ridiculous because at the end of the day you have to think of yourself and how you would react and like how how you present yourself well, it's like and i it's, sent you that text yesterday because i really wanted another live warm adult to tell me because i was watching mark zuckerberg he well, was apologizing to congress but i get the bullying i get sex trafficking and porn but I also get that the parents should have a responsibility in keeping their kids off the damn Listen, all social me All social media has a parental lock on it. Yeah. It's to the parent to realize how that works and make that work. If you're going to have children, you have a responsibility. It's not up for the government and social media to be raising your fucking children. Thank it's you. I agree that. Now, I hate Zuckerberg. Child. I think he's an asshole. Now, if your child, I'm just saying. If, you're, if your child's being bullied on Facebook, Twitch. I mean, kids don't. It's weird. usually it's Instagram and TikTok. I guess. Well, it's well, well, these are people's views. I mean, it's like if you're watching a TikTok and they have blue green hair, chances are they're going to be mad anyway. But the <laughs> but the thing is, people will say stuff on TikTok. They're always mad anyway to sit there and get their voice across because the more. You know, the more outrageous they are, the more views they get, and the more they get yeah. shared. So they're sharing, they're sharing all this crap anyway. So the, I mean, it's not news. What these people are telling you is not news. They're bloggers. Basically. They're bloggers, basically blogging. And they, and the thing is, is you got to also remember is that you start out like this, you start out like at a low level, and all of a sudden you might say something and you get more views. So it's like, okay, well, to get more views, I need to be more outlandish. Then the more outlandish you get, the more and more views are until you hit that pinnacle. People get sick of you and they move to the next person. And they do. There's always somebody to move on. The news cycle, oh yeah, like a mean, day. And, if and there's always you, something next. But look at YouTube. Look at YouTube channels. YouTube channels only have a certain amount of grace period before they go off, and then they right to something else. Same thing with platforms. First it was Facebook. Now it's Instagram. Now it's TikTok, and God knows what the future will be. Facebook is just for us old fogies now. All the all the kiddos are on TikTok and Snapchat. But at the same time. If someone's being bullied or not being treated well on any kind of social media, you can block them. Just block exactly. them. Exactly. In the day, okay, I have 5,000 5, friends, yeah. you know, quote, unquote, friends on Facebook. I only know probably about 10 of them. The rest of them, I don't know. I don't know anybody. Oh, so if any of these people come on and decide they're going to slag me off or anything like that, why am I going to be bothered about people I don't freaking know? Good point. You know, but if, kids you know are sensitive, they're not, they're not your friends. Yeah, yeah, your are not your friends. And if you're going yeah, to demand... random strangers tell you how you should feel about yourself, you need yeah, to get a I agree. check. Well, but what, it's, it's the thing is like for, for you or for us, it's easier to think like that because we have like kind of like a mind. Well, we've got a tougher right? skin through the years, though, too. We're not, yeah. well, but we, we've all been like, growing up younger in generations. Thing. Yeah, but younger generations are more like 
But we didn't have this shit growing up, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, they at know the same time, we still had bullying in school. We still had that kid who smelled the piss that everyone bullied. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, if you're going to raise your kids and stuff like this, be honest with them. It's your job. I mean, it's your job to raise them. And so if your kid is feeling inferior because of social media, that's the parent's fault. That's the individual's fault. You got to take responsibility for it. If you're not raising your children to realize that like, sticks and stones may make my bones, but words will never hurt me. And you're going to, and you're going to, if you're going to raise your children to the simple fact that, okay, these people, all these people that you'll never meet in your, all over the world who are your followers and doing this, that they mean something to you and that they are your source of reality. And that's what you're teaching your children. Is to be an influencer. I'm sorry, the parents are at fault. Mm-hmm. Well, they it's did like, make him apologize. Josh Holly made him apologize to all these. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, if you take your children to sleep with Michael Jackson, it's the parents' fault. No, you know it shouldn't be. I okay. think it's responsibility all the way around. The Precisely. Team. You. I mean, the thing is, if you're a victim, you're you. The when you stop being a victim is when you take responsibility for the decisions and the and the things that you do. Once you do that, you grow as a person and you become a better person. But if you're like, oh, woe is me. They don't like me because they, they, I don't get, you know, they don't like my posts as much as they like everyone else's, blah, 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 blah. It's like, who fucking cares? It's not reality. It's not. Because at the end of the day, you're still sitting at home in your bedroom all fucking by yourself with no friends, no one go out with and not having social contact with anyone except for people on social media. So where's the problem here? The problem basically is, the lonely, the lonely sicko who's in this room, who's got nothing better to do than sit there and criticize everyone else's life because they're so fucking miserable. Yeah. Facebook, yeah, what, especially what, social media is just a vile pit of us right now. Well, it just yeah. is. But, but the thing is, but it depends on how you want to look at it. You can look at it that way or you can do what I do. And I look at it as like, it's a good way to keep in touch with people I care and love. I do that. And that's Those what jokes. I do. That's all I do. And everyone else sort of thing is someone says something nice or I see something, oh, that's nice. I'll hit a like on it. If it's something I don't like, I scroll past it. That's all you have to do. You know, if a bunch of people are looking fantastic and they're a bit got enough filters on them, to, you know, more filters than fac- fucking Vaseline in the 1930s film. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, chances are it's like, you know, it's a bit like dating off of um a dating site or a dating app is like, you know, you'll go, okay, let's meet this person. And then they show up and God forbid, you don't know what's going to show up. <laughs> you don't, you don't, but little kids are and different is, now. And we live in a world that when they do show up and they look like their picture, you're like really surprised. It's like, Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe it. You look like the person. Uh. And then sometimes it's like, you'll go through their pictures you know, uh, you know, on a dating app, I remember. And it's like, there'll be like five or six different versions of the person, but they all look different. So sometimes you, sometimes I would just meet up with them to see which one showed up. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know. That kind of, all that, that online dating shit was scary back in the day. I hated it. I don't know about y'all, but I hate dating. I hate it. But I mean, let's be, let's look at, let's look at dating apps and well, dating apps, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, so on and so forth. It's all about marketing yourself. Yeah, you're right. And when you market yourself, you're going to market this idealized version of yourself. And that's what you're putting out there. But the idealized version of you marketing yourself 
is not the is not the reality. It's a bit like buying a loaf of bread and which bread's the best for you. Of course, they come out with this idealized life of like if you drink the you know if you eat like Hovis bread, it's like and then you know and then you see the commercial and it's like these farmers working in this heat mail and they got like this golden light shining upon them and you know <laughs> and then this healthy you know. What you kind know. of bread do you eat? And I've never seen no ad like that over here. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and then and then and then it shows the family. Well, now we have multiracial families because we have to make sure that. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I really and it's always it's always a black guy and a blonde woman and I know what and an Asian I child. Know. It's like where did the Asian child come from? I don't. I'm all excited when I see two white people go. Scott, come here. Two white people in a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, the thing is, I don't. I mean, I don't mind. If, I don't mind. You know, diversity and stuff like. Know. But I mean, I'm just sitting there saying, if you got a, a black guy and a blonde woman, you probably should have a mixed race child because having an Asian child looks like. I know, a, I saw the ones with the Asian child. Yeah, child. Okay. I they didn't get that. You got a white mom, a black dad, the kid is Asian. Okay? Well, yeah, match, I mean, ma- match up your kid. That's all they all can do. Yeah, I know. You can be diverse but, all you want, but have some continuity, please. But what you do, but then what you do is you have this happy family leading this happy life, eating this white bread. So the thing is, it's marketing, and and that's what and that's what social media and Instagram is it's all about marketing yourself, and you show the best possible version or the best possible life about marketing. I just wish I would have come but up with it first. No one's that happy all the time, and if you think anyone's that happy all the time, then the only job that you got for you is being a game show host, just turning letters on Wheel of Fortune. Because that's the only that's the only job you had. No, I got one point. better. I got I could one up you on that. All of the psych med ads. Everybody is blissfully fucking happy on the psych med ads. You ever notice that? Or it's just, or and, you get and the worst thing dis- about it. Then and you've got about- the tart of dyskinesia ads now because your other ads are fucking you up. So now you got to take more meds. <laughs> and the worst thing about those med ads, I mean, in America, I was quite shocked at this actually. But those they drug us to see, death over it's, just, it's like, you know, you have arthritic pain and stuff like this. And it's like, and then, of course, and then it's like, you know, take anti-TNF Humira sort of thing. And everyone's happy <laughs> and like doing stuff. And then and then it's like at the end of it, it's like you get this long list of like the side effects are. <laughs> I know. Cancer, shitting your pants, rectal yeah. bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, OK, I yeah. cannot wait to take this stuff. <laughs> but, like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you got, you know, going back to the if you have children. You gotta be honest with your children and tell them exactly what this is. And if you don't, you're a shitty parent. And the thing is, and you can't expect the state, the schooling, you know, media to raise your children. You have to raise your children yourself because the I'm media to be a child navigating this fucked up world right now. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you know, when we watched. Little House on the Prairie, even we watched the Waltons and, and all that stuff. I mean, they're good shows. Yeah. But we also grew up knowing this wasn't reality. It wasn't real. You know, and even reality television. Let's take real let's take a real housewives program. Let's take Beverly Hills, for instance. Right. And the thing is, it's a one camera show. So basically, if two people are having an argument and they're showing someone's reaction to it. That means what they're doing is they're filming, they're fi- they're doing the one shot of the of uh, the argument. Then what they're doing is now go, okay, now we need to get reaction shots. So now they're cutting, now they're filming this separately from the argument. And then they're taping it all together. Yeah. Because it's a one camera show. So if you got a one camera show and the camera is not swinging from one person to another and you got. Oh, cuts, it is. And I didn't realize that until just now. Yeah, you're right. If you got cuts going on, 
that means that they're asking for reaction shots. So you're shooting that after the argument. And people are watching this going, this is reality. This is, is the documentary. No, it's not. It's all cut together because it's one camera. Yeah. I so that means doing what, if it's a one camera show, they film this, cut. Now let's film everyone's reaction. Cut. Next person's reaction. Cut. Next person's reaction. After the fact, then we'll, yeah. film, then we'll, then we'll edit all this together. That's wild. I would hate to edit that. That's got to be a bit. Well, I mean, it makes a lot of money. I mean, and, and even if you look at even if you look at Love Island or if you look at any of those any of those shows as the well, Bachelor, people, a Bachelor, if they're having arguments and it cuts to someone else. That's another one camera show. They're not multi camera shows. They're filmed the same way as a as a sitcoms done, Friends or anything like that. It's, they're filmed the same way, one camera. Then okay, now we're gonna get reaction shots. Now we'll put it together. So by the time it airs, it's been edited together to a certain way. So it's not that's not even reality. And people are calling this reality television. It's not reality. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was one anyway. camera. Cut. So 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 you know, so you have to raise you have to, you know, you have to raise people and tell people what exactly what is and if you fail to do that the reaction and if you got children who are mild horribly depressed because of you know they're not living up to a standard they think they should live up to mm -hmm. then it's the parents that need to step in and go listen this is what reality is you're living in reality everything else is just fluff that makes you know? sense well that's that's what for example what i like about this book is like it's it, Okay, it could be like okay, it could be a bit dark, right? But I like it because it's more like real than that all that fantasy, blah 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 blah. That well, you get vested in the characters of the book, not. don't you? You keep getting you're interested in what happens. It's a tip page turner. Yeah, it? and it, and I think that these days everything is turning more to that. For example, I remember when I was reading like Maleficent start with the 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 gen how all the movies from. Disney star with the castle, blah, blah, blah. and then it's, then then the camera turns around and said, "Okay, this is what they have been told, telling you. This is not exactly what it happened. I will tell you exactly what it happened." And then the camera goes backwards. I love Maleficent. And, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, and point and point the other side that they never show you, which is where she was living. And I really like that because it's like, okay, this is reality is not just one one way. It's like, oh, there are other things happening. And it's like, if I tell you just the story from one side, it's like, okay, you believe that because that's the only thing you know. But then when I tell you the, the other side, then you can put it together and then you can make your own mind. So I, What's it? I think like about it book, everything is more like real than like. Well, it's a bit like a couple breaking up. You have a couple breaking up. And the best thing probably to do is probably not take sides because what you need to do is you need to hear both sides. And then, and because even, even the conversation we just had now, if, if it wait two or three days and I go back to both of you and tell you to recite our conversation, they're going to be different versions. Possibly. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the way that we, you know, that's the way we look at things and the way process, that we yeah. comprehend it and process. So, you know, and the world is not a black and white world situation. And, you know, and I think that's always important to remember that, that there's always two sides to everything. You know, I think mm -hmm. I think it's a great book. I, th I I can't wait to read the other books. I'm kind of really kind of excited. I, about I didn't know there were other books. I thought it was just these There's one. 13 more. 
Well, yeah, interestingly yeah, no. enough, I think this book is the template for C.S. Lewis's Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe series. I do, too. I absolutely do. I was thinking that when I read it, there was a whole lot of I, you can't say that, you know, well, I guess the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe are kind of nodding that way. But, mm. yeah, there is a lot of it. I mean, there was a lot incorporated, actually, when you think of it, right down to the bear she's driving in the line of which not mm. driving, but, you know, the two. I don't know. I didn't think. I have read all those Stuff books. like that. All of them. Uh, um, the Chronicles of Narnia? Yes, all of them. Love those In books. English. The only difference is, is that there's more of a Christian element in, yes. in Narnia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. A simulator. They, they travel. But well, it was World in, War II. There's a war. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Dorothy going into a thingy and then finding yourself and then the characters, you know, all the funny key little characters. She didn't even seem scared of the tornado in the book. I see, I'm terrified of tornadoes. I have weird tornado dreams. I know that one of these days, one is going to land right out back in my Texas backyard. Well, it has over there. So it's just when I see them things, I just like. Well, I think Sorry, in I have a question because my country, there are no tornadoes or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, in the movie, they were going to like a shed that was on the. Yeah, you go under, you go underground into a. Storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, the okay, tornado okay. shelter. The we don't the have one. cannot blow the, the, the structure, the door. Yeah. Well, it might take the door. What happens is you have a storm cellar. So basically. There's usually a rebar uh, across it too. Yeah. It. So uh -huh. basically what you, what you have is this and you dig, you dig down to about six feet. And then, and, and then and then from the stairs, then you have this bit underneath here. And then what you do is when you shelter in the storm cellar, you normally shelter to the far wall. Yeah. So that way the door gets sucked up. That way it, it kind of like. Because if you get like uh, an okay. F4 or an F5, you're not going to survive unless you're underground for some of these things. Yeah. You because just, you'll die. The tornado, the tornado, the, it only settles on the ground. And the, th the the weird thing about a cyclone, and the reason why can't yeah. get hit a lot anyway, because it's flat. There, you don't really get a lot of cyclones in hilly areas because what you do is they bounce from hill to hill because they can't because they don't go down a hill and then back up a hill. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. But cycle. I mean, I think you know. I think in I, I think in nineteen hundreds Kansas anyway, and when this when the story was written. I think in the eight between the eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds, I think there was a different idea of what death was anyway. Because the thing is, people died all the time. People didn't live that long. They either died from disease, and if a cyclone hit and something happens, it's, uh, I, think, I think they got weep, but I think it was just a matter of life. Right There's around this death. time was 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 it nineteen seventeen was when the big Franco when all the the big was the Spanish flu broke out was it yeah. in the 1900s yeah yeah see but I was but even like whooping cough and you know and prick uh, rickets and you had you know you had a lot of uh, polio and you know, German measles and you know all this was going which on which is all coming back because nobody trusts the medical community anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's another story on this yeah. but you know so. You know, so when the cyclone hits and the and it's laxy daisy, I guess if you're used to this happening and it's just like an everyday way of life in, in Kansas, and I'm not, I don't know how many cyclones I had at this time, but if it is a regular way of life, then you're some days are worse. Some it's a bit like worse. having a blizzard in upstate New York. You know, you're just kind of used to it. You just, you just soldier on. I'll never get used know. to it. I got the Weather Channel on from the beginning of March all the way to very much the mid June. And then I know I'm safe, but then there's the Christmas tornado season that comes around. Yeah. But, 
you know, but I'm saying that, you know, like in upstate New York and we, in the winter times and they're quite, they're very harsh, but the thing is you just got on with life and then, you know, if something happens and, you know, you know, you just, well, you just had to make sure that you stocked up on food because you might be without electricity for two weeks, heat for two weeks. You had to make sure there's enough wood cut and make sure there's enough wood inside the house because if the blizzard hit, you wouldn't be able to get outside to get the wood. Which has actually happened, and we were stuck for two or three weeks at one time. Yeah, 1977. So, and then you had the ice storms in the 80s that basically no one could get out of their house for two weeks until it thawed because everyone was iced into their homes. 1994. That was a real bitch. I remember that's what sent me to Texas. I was done with New York. You know. But I think if you, if you live in areas where you get these kind of, these kind of weather thingies, it's kind of, you just kind of take them. I mean, that's part of your life. You know, it you is. Take them in, you know, and granted, you know, same thing with the bombings during World War II. When they first hit, I mean, All the blitz and stuff. But, well, by the time that, by the time you got to the second or third year, when the things went off, it's like, okay, everyone, let's get to the storm cellar. Bomb shelter. Yeah. Bomb shelter. Here we go. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, here we go again. In the first, the first couple of times, <laughs> by the third well, they were really blitzkrieging the shit out of London, though, back then. I mean, that wasn't just a little casual bombing. They yeah, were trying what to I'm say, you. What I'm saying oh. is, I'm not saying that I'm not making light of what was going on. But what I'm saying is that when you're living in that time period, the first or second time, you're like freaked out. By the yeah. third or fourth time, you're so used to it that it just becomes second nature. Yeah. You know, you just, this is what, this is life now. You know, it's yeah, a bit like. That's true. You know, it's, you, you know. guys have always been terrorist target, though. Always London. Well, they've always well, it's it's a, it's a major city, isn't it? So you know, it's one of the mo- mo- I think it's one of the ma- most one of the major cities of the world, isn't it? So you're always yeah. subject mm-hmm. to that. So let's rate The Wizard of Oz. So, Vicky, how many stars do you get The Wizard of oh, Oz? Absolutely five. It's a great story. Yeah, it's dark, but I think anybody can read it and enjoy it. It's actually quite good. Mm. And what about yourself, Leandro? Four and a half. <laughs> okay, do tell. Why are you taking 25 points off of my perfect story? I'm just kidding. So, no, I mean, <laughs> not five because... For me, my, 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 to measure it, like, if it really touched me and made me cry, yeah, well, it's good. But doesn't have that element of, like, I think of, like, touching your soul in that way, right? So it's right. really good. It's really catchy. What you want to know what's going on, what's going that to is, happen, how it's going to I'm just solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, had, I, had, well, I understand. I understand what you're saying because the book is written as matter of factly, or not a lot. Yeah. Heavy emotion going on in the book, so yeah, I understand. There that. is no emotion mm-hmm. going on at all, really. No, it's almost, it's almost gonna... like it's, you're being narrated to, and there's you know without the emotional aspect. It's just like, like a mission. They're on a mission. That's yeah. what it is. I'm going to give this a five for myself, only because it's an easy read. I like the characters, and yeah. because because it it adds and foregoes the movie that we're talking about next. I think it gives it that extra punch and it made me want to see a more of more film version I wonder, of, we'll see. of a much loved film. So. 
Once there was a wicked witch in the lovely land of Oz, and a wickeder, wickeder, wickeder witch there never, never was. She filled the folks in Munchkinland with terror and with dread, till one fine day from Kansas way a cyclone caught a house that brought the wicked, wicked witcher doom as she was flying on her broom. For the house fell on her head, and the coroner pronounced her dead. On that note, we're going to cut to The Wizard of Oz, the 1939 film, which is a musical fantasy film produced by MGM or Metro Golden Mare, an adaption of L. Frank Baum's 1900 children's fantasy novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. It was primarily directed by Victor Fleming, who left the production takeover the Troubled Gone with the Wind production. It stars Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bulger, Burt Lair, Jack Haley, Billy Burke, and Margaret Hamilton. Noah Langley, Florence Ryson, and Edgar Allan Wolfe received credit for the screenplay, with others made uncredited contributions. The musical was composed by the great Harold Arlen and adapted by Her- Herbert Stafford and lyrics by Edgar Yip Harburg, who would later go on to write Finian's Rainbow on Broadway. 
The Wizard of Oz is celebrated for its use of technicolor, fancy storytelling, musical score, and memorable character. It was a critical success and was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, winning Best Original Song for Over the Rainbow, and Best Original Score for Stallart. While the film was successfully popular at the box office, it, may, it failed to make a profit for MGM until its 1949 release, earning only $3 million on a $2.7 million budget, making it MGM's most expensive production at the time. The 1956 television broadcast premiere of the film on CBS reintroduced the film to the public. According to the U.S. Library of Congress, it's the most seen film in movie history. In 1989, it was selected at the Library of Congress as one of the first 25 films for preservation in the United States National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. It's also one of the few films of the UNESCO's Memory of the World Register. The film was ranked second in Variety's inaugural 100 Greatest Movies of All Time. This is published in 2022. It was among the top 10 in the 2005 BFI, British Film Institute, list of 50 films to be seen by the age of 14. It is on the BFI's updated list of 50 films to be seen by the age of 15, released in May 2020. The Wizard of Oz has become the, the source of many quotes referenced in contemporary populist culture. The film frequently ranks on critics' lists as the greatest film of all time and is the most commercially successful adaption of Baum's work. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Wizard of Oz and be right back. And who might you be? If you please, I am Dorothy. The greatest family film of all time returns to the big screen for one week only, remastered in IMAX 3D. Won't you take me with you? Why, of course I will. Right. Because of the wonderful things he does, I can Oh, my. My little party's just beginning. Bring me that girl and her dog. Now, fly! We've come such a long way. The wizard will fix everything. We want to be the wizard. Bust my button. Put him up. Put him There's no place like home. Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast. We're discussing the film, The Wizard of Oz from 1939. So, Leandro, what are your thoughts of The Wizard of Oz? Um, well, 
a lot of thought. When I start to watch the movie, another remember now is like I don't know if you remember that in the book, Dorothy said at a point that everything seems to be gray in Kansas at that time. And then I thought, okay, yeah, when the movie starts, everything is gray until she, well, fall asleep or what I said, she traveled the cyclone and all that. Then everything, the adventure starts to have colors, right? So I thought, that's interesting because when when she is back, let's say, everything is back in color. She doesn't go, never go back to the gray thing. Which made me think now is what about, this is like thinking too much, but if they were the family was going on in a bad moment, right? Because if you think in the movie, all the characters are the, the neighbors, the the witch is the same person that the lady that complained about Toto that, that bite her. I like the movie. It it was adapted because there are some scenes, for example, the trees that throw apples. In the book, there it's a forest that the trees moves around and grab you, but they don't have any apples that were not throwing anything. They were trying to I thought the apples were them. a nice touch. Yeah. yeah, I like the effects because for the time that when the movie was done, it's really good. The tornado, all the colors. Uh, of you course, the tornado there are was a nylon stocking on a fan that always just freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, really clever. Yeah, well done. I enjoy the movie. I'm not a massive fan of musicals. I'm I thought totally you liked part- musicals for some reason. No, I, 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 well, I went to see Wicked, that is a musical. I like it, but if I have to choose, I prefer a normal movie because I don't like right. when they say, I'm going to kill you. And, and they make a whole song <laughs> to let you know that they're yeah. going to do something. That's why. The old I couldn't... one. The old yeah. one. I love that part. <laughs> do, you know that, do you know that Toto made more money than the Munchkins? They paid the dog more. The, the, the dog deserved more. Wow. I that that munchkins weirded me out, but the I would have been a fly on the wall for that production when it was going on right next door to the other Gone with the Wind. Did you know that a lot of a lot of things happened? Judy Gone with the Wind in the next movie set, and those munchkins have it. I Gone with the Wind all the time because Clark Gable gave a full interview about the munchkins once about a dog. I don't know if you know this fact, but. Judy Garland was on heavy drugs. They put her drugs. on heavy drugs to make her more productive. And then 11 yes. years later was the first time she tried to kill herself. I mean, they yeah. fucked her up. I mean, it was it's pretty bad. It might um, have been better had they picked Shirley Temple for the part. Or who else were they going to put up for it? Uh, to be honest, I think Judy Garland was the perfect choice. Only well, because she was, but they fucked her up. But... but yeah. But the, uh, the reason why I say she's the perfect choice because I can't picture Shirley Temple singing over the rainbow. Not yeah. like she did. No, not I mean, that, and, that. And that I mean, they almost Shirley they almost, Temple they, is they the almost, lady from the the Golden Girls. No, Shirley Temple was um, a child star with. She was Red, an American Red, child Red. actress, and she Remember did the song the, on the Good Ship, Lollipop. Didn't you ever watch yeah, it? Yeah, and the Little Princess and the Rebecca Bluebird. Farm and she, and she was known as one take Shirley because Shirley Temple, what she could do is when she did her dance routines, it's all done in one take. And she was a good little hoofer. I mean, she was like eight or nine years old, and she 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 can almost outdance Fred Astaire. She was yeah. They paid the they paid the care interior one hundred twenty five dollars a week, while the Munchkins earned fifty dollars a week, which their managers took half of. Toto's Whoa. real name was Terry. 
<laughs> you know, but the thing the thing I'll say about Toto, there's some magic moments in like when she's singing over the rainbow and you got Toto next to her. Oh, on the the, the little done, he's sitting on the seat. I absolutely noticed that the first the first time this time around. I watched and when she her. and when she finishes her song, his paw goes up. Like I know, I saw that. That was and, the first time I've ever truly noticed that. And you know, and the thing is, when the cowardly lion's chasing him, it's I mean, he does a fantastic. Whoever whoever his trainer was, I mean. I mean, I know for a fact that once this movie came out and subsequent this movie, that dog right. breed became a popular breed to get a Carrion Terrier. A Carrion Terrier, yeah. Yeah. They still are very popular. They're popular. They're many really smart dogs as well. So. Well, but all kinds you... of shit happened on the set, though. I mean, yes. you had Hamilton getting burned. You had Buddy Epson, yeah. supposed to be the Tin Man. He got so sick from the paint that they had to get the other guy to do the job. I mean, it was just all yeah. kinds of stuff. And I'm telling you, I have watched two different versions. I know for a fact now, I knew something was different about the hanging munchkin in the back. I have never before seen the video that I saw this time. I haven't watched it in years. I do not remember that crane or pelican or whatever it is doing this. Because the first time I actually saw that, that was not there. It was not there in my childhood. And I looked it up, and I'll be damned, there is something weird. They actually redid the VHS and put that bird in there. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm still going with the original. I don't know what it was in the background. And when the apples, when the, they, they take off, when they meet the Tin Man, when that happens. But that, that was a definitely not there when I was a little girl. And I grew up waiting for this every year to come on. And I don't recall that bird. Well, I remember The Wizard of Oz when I was growing up. The, the film itself was a yearly film. That Christmas could, time, was it? Or was it Easter? I think it was Easter time. For me, I can always remember around Easter time. Because um, I used to wait for it. And I remember it's like the whole family would sit around and we'd watch this. Yay, like, hey, The Wizard of Oz is on Channel 4 tonight. Yeah. My mom, my mom hates the film for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure why. She didn't like the film, but she go. She would set us in front of it, and then she go off and do something. She goes, "Oh God, go watch that." Right. So she, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I never had a conversation of what she didn't like about the film. I don't know if it's, it might be it's the witch or something. I don't know it could be something simple like <laughs> that. But, but I have the Blu-ray version of it, and I sit there and say that when it goes from black and white to the color popping that happens, and and you know, and then and then you look at the set design of the Munchkins. Yeah. I mean, that's quite phenomenal, you know, like that the way look like flowers and it's like, okay. And and just the way it filmed. And it, it's one of those rare films that, that, you know, it's a heavy side, you know, special effects and it's moved to Blu-ray. And normally what happens is that you start. I haven't seen things. the Blu-ray version really quick. Am I going to hate the Blu-ray version? No, because the thing is, you don't see the strings. Whoever put it together. You know, like the monkey's tail got the string. Yeah. You don't see all that. They, you know, they when they when they did that, and it just pops, and you can see actually the monkeys' expressions and everything like that. Really? So, okay, I was afraid to watch. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's a it's a Blu-ray that's definite that everyone should face own. And and the the there's so many documentaries on it as well. About there is. The I watched over there are and there is that one movie was under the rainbow about the Munchkins. It yeah. just kills every time I see it. Well, I know it was totally dramatized, but they, they said they, they weren't knew. that bad, but... But, but, yeah, but you know where that comes from. 
is that Judy Garland used to be asked about the Munchkins in every single interview, and so she started adding like f- f- adding interesting stories to make it interesting because she said there's really nothing to add Not to this. But so she said then said they were really randy and they were drunk all the time, which they randy. were. Well, you do know that most of them did meet their future husbands and wives on set because they've never had that many little people together at one yeah. spot. So, but I mean, can you imagine? Were, wait, 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 wait. They were they were all little well little people or they were kids? They were little people. They were all little, little people. people, or what they were called in those times, midgets, dwarves, or midgets. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then but they're all little people now. I've so. always called them little people, though. I don't like the other terms too much. Okay. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends on the little person. I have a couple little person people friends, and they, you know, two of them like the little people. One of them thinks that he should be called a dwarf. So I just whatever they want to be called, I'm happy with. So, but little people generally seems to be the general. unless it's Peter Dinklage who gets upset over everything. <laughs> Now, now that he's famous and can write his own paycheck. I know. <laughs> I really like his. I love. I love his performances, though. I really oh, like I love his performance as well. But I often wondered that if he wasn't, if he where he is now, would he have redone? Would he have done Elf now? You mean like I drink and I know things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think. I mean, I think The Wizard of Oz works very, very well as a film. And okay, you know. To be honest, I think most of us come to the Wizard of Oz seeing the film without reading the books. And so Yeah. You know, I think and I think I did it the right way around and like seeing the film and then seeing the film and then reading the book because after reading the book, I know that oh I would like to see more of what was the book, but that doesn't take away from my enjoyment Memory of, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's classic, I mean, there's classic stuff. I mean, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, oh my. yeah. I mean, so many stuff is so iconic have now. you ever I'll noticed you, my pretty and your little dog too but every time yeah. i noticed the trap door this time though when yeah. she comes down you just happen to catch the trap door and i've never caught that before but the one thing that i, I the one thing that i just i really noticed about it is no matter how many times i have watched this and i have watched it god i'm 59 i've watched it as much as i can remember since i was a little girl Every time I watch it, I notice something new, especially in Munchkinland that I never noticed before. Yeah. Well, you know? my favorite sequence of this is when they go and see the wizard the first time and he's that great big head. I love yeah. that. It just scared the shit out of me. When it I was scared me when I was a little kid, too, because that did. That scared the bejesus out of me. But it still looks fantastic today. You look at it as like. It Whoa. works. It yeah. was a brilliant, yeah. it was a brilliant uh, optic. It really was for back then. And I mean, making it a dream sequence makes sense because. Yeah, I get it, but I because, Well, it. I mean, I think the reason why it makes sense in the film context of it, because when it's black and white and she does see, you know, the farm hands, you know, he goes, you know, you need to use your head, Dorothy. And it's like, well, you know, if you have the courage, you know, and, and, uh, and so they're transport to that. And it then sets it sets up, it yeah. does, it sets up. And, then you got yeah. Hamilton. So. And then same thing with um Frank Morgan as the wizard, you know, when she runs into him. And well, he plays him. four different roles. He's the yeah. he's the the whiz. What else does he do? He just does it's uh, he, he's the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper. Yeah. Four different things, the driver. But I was thinking of the whiz. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I I remember yeah. watching the whiz. He's on down, he's on down the road. Remember the whiz? I love the whiz. I kept thinking that it was going through my head. The only problem with the Wiz is that Dor- Dinah Ross is way too fucking old. 
You thought, oh, that, well, yeah, but that was. Uh, wait, 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 I want to ask you something. Did he was like, 40 years old playing Dorothy. Well, I don't think she was meant to do that, but who else was going to play that part and be black at that Steph time? Well, the person who did it on Broadway was Stephanie Mills when she was 13. So, do you, ah, you don't like the, wait, you don't like the, the, the Diana Ross movie with the Wizard of Oz? I love uh, it. I, I I like bits and pieces of it. I don't like it all either. But, but I like. I think. But I think there there's parts of it that kind of go off the rails a little bit. There's like. Yeah. Well, I think it's supposed to go off. But I think when she at the end when she's singing and she cries, I think that those are real tears. Well, that song, you know, when I think of home, I think of a place. That's a fantastic. Uh, and then, you know, I, sh you know, I still, you know, the, the believe song, excellent. Ease yeah. down the road's excellent. The evil witch is singing, no, don't nobody bring me no bad news is excellent. Yeah. But then you get some weird things like the graffiti kids and that kind of stuff. Kind of. You know, well, that kind yeah. of it, that that's kind of a cultural impose it's, it, that they put in there because that was the the audience they wanted to reach. You know, yeah, well, and the and the movie. I mean, the movie, the Wiz, the movie was the, one of the biggest flops ever made. So I, I think if they, kinda, I liked it though. I think if they, I think if they simplify some things, I think it would have lasted the course of life sort of situation. Yeah, they, they, there, they, there's, uh, there's some, there's some things. I didn't know it did that like, badly. I don't. It's been many years, of course. But well, I think the problem is is that they try to make it into like a a ghettoized fantasy world. Wizard of Oz, but the problem is, is that when they went to the Ghetto Eyes Wizard of Oz, it felt very like on a set. So mm -hmm. ah, I see. What you know where I, I think that if they did it, maybe a little bit more location. But I mean, they did redo the Wiz. Well, if they did it a little more Godspellish, possibly. Yeah, or they did it. They on um, the TV adaption. They did. They did film the musical for a, tele, a special television. Yes, I saw that, which was yeah. well done. You know, there's just some things that I mean. There are a lot of things I like about the Wiz. There's, you know, there's, you know, but there are some things that I kind of wish were slightly done differently because the movie is. I didn't really think about Diana Ross being too aged for the role because she's, she's 40, so she's 40 well, years so. old, but she's 40 years old and she should be, she should be a girl. Respect, there, was no, there was nobody could sing properly at that time. What do you want? Well, no, they could sing properly. I said before, Stephanie Mills. Well, well, I actually you, think this Ross. I think this. I think this play was <laughs> actually Broadway. written by Diana Ross, though. No, what happened is she was sleeping with Quincy Jones, and that's how she. It got was her. written for. <laughs> yeah, so they changed. They changed everything. So she's like this school teacher, still living with her mom, with her aunt. So it's like it's so weird. But you know, you know, it is what it is. But if they if they did someone, they could have found someone age appropriate. Trust me, there's a lot of black girls who can sing that part. Oh God, like, no, yeah, they're, no, they're, no, that time. Yes, there was I mean, they, in the eighties. They definitely. They, there's the something 80s? about them. They're gifted with music. You had, you had, you had, but I'm thinking you had Gwen Guthrie. You had Nell Carter, who was doing "Give Me a Break." Nobody knows her. Oh, I forgot about Nell Carter. Okay, that's right. I'm just saying that. Uh, I'm just saying Dinah Ross did it, but I just sit there and say that the movie lost a hundred million dollars when it came out. No one went. Do you saw think it, it was oh, because well. she was they they did the, the, the characterizations wrong, <laughs> setting them up? I, I think, enjoyed it. I think no. I think I think everything's. I mean, I think I think it was cast fine, except for Diana Ross. And I'm not saying anything about Diana Ross's talent. No, I know what you're she, saying. I get you. But if you got a 40 year old woman who's oh, walking around like she's a little girl, and the thing is that what she's saying, I need to get home, and all this other stuff. 
She's a That's 40 year old. Woman. I never really saw so, so when she's saying these lines. Well, she was 40 years old, but she wanted to go home too, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but, but the thing that she she did, if you, if, you, if you see the way she's acting in it, she's acting like a 40 year old playing a 14 year old. And Wait, hold on. It, and keep that in mind. And you're like, well, you know, Judy Garland was 16. Yeah. You know, so yeah. she was even too old for the part. Yeah, said. but 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 the thing is, 16's far different than being a 40 year old playing a 16. Oh, I, I, I'm not agreeing <laughs> with that. I'm just saying she's uh, in the book. She's 12, right? Well, she's 12. Yes. And I understand that when they gave it to Judy Garland, I understand why they aged aged her up, because I also think that for the for the music, because you got to remember that Harold Arlen, who's one of the greatest songwriters of our time and our longest run, I mean, Blues in the Night. You know, bother bewitched and bewildered over the rainbow, and, and all the songs that he's written—they're very adult songs. And I don't know if a twelve-year-old can carry over the rainbow that song. I've never met anybody that can carry over the rainbow. I've never seen anybody. Well, I think there was one time. I think Lady Gaga did it once, and she did a really good job. Oh, well, Sam Harris did it on Star Search back in the eighties. Oh wow! Go you know what? You know what? And then the did a version of it that's fantastic as well. So, have you ever heard that? Somewhere Over the Rainbow play, but it's a man really fat with a ukulele. I can't remember the name. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He he does. A, a... Oh, is that the ukulele version? Yeah. I love that. You know, well, he played, wait, he played that song for. I think it's called Meeting the Fuckers when they when they get married and they get married. Yeah, and it's the on beach. the first fifty dates too. They use it for that well, one too. Yeah. Uh, when my sister have to choose a movie, movie, a song for the wedding, I don't know. I think for a moment in the, in, I said, "Hey, what about this song?" Because it was in a wedding and a lot, and she loved it. And then she chose I it, and I was song. really happy. I think with it's it. a beautiful song. You know, I was getting all teary eyed just thinking about it because I was going, "Wow, I used to watch this with my children." And I get all freaking teary. Well, I'm an emotional creature anyway. But <laughs> the, the only thing I regret about the Over the Rainbow, because if you listen to the soundtrack version and you listen to the actual, I hate, I hate that they left off. This is this prologue for Somewhere Over the Rainbow that they sing. It starts off when all the world's a hopeless jumble and the raindrops tumble all around. Heaven upon a magic lane. When all the clouds darken up the skyway, there's a rainbow highway to be found leading from your window pane. To a place beyond the sun, just a step beyond the rain. And then it starts out somewhere over the rainbow. How and do you it, remember all that? Because I have Ella Fitzgerald singing the original version of it. And it's my wow, Is that who sung the original version? Ella Fitzgerald sang it as, well, Judy Garland is the first singer of right, it. Right, right. And then Ella Fitzgerald did the Har the Harold Arlen songbook. She did Gershwin's No shit, I didn't know and that. She does cover that. She covers Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead as well. Like in a really I did not movie. know that. Is that is that out somewhere available? Yeah, or? yeah, it's available. It's on Spotify, YouTube. Just look up Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, I didn't know or, that. Oh, or Ella Fitzgerald, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead situation but they're fantastic but i love those i love those original lyrics and sometimes when someone covers a song like ava cassidy or someone like that they will do that first part and then go into the song which is quite i always quite like that little thing because it kind of sets up the song so i do like though but it, it does kind of nod to the book because like i said in the book in the beginning it was all black and white and i thought it was just brilliant how they did the black and white and then when you open the door you have all the colors that must yeah. have been a real eye popper the only time I've ever seen that before is like we were covering the women. Yeah. Um, and they did that with the fashion show. But, remember? 
But the Wizard of Oz does it better because the thing is, well, it was more colorful for one. But. Well, no, what I'm saying, the reason why they did it better is because when she opens the door, beyond the door, you see the color, but she's yeah. still black and white until she's black and white. out of the door. So to have that color inside that frame is like, this is quite impressive. It was, it was impressive. I thought that was like the best thing since electric knives when I saw that when I was a little kid. That's why I waited for it. It was a treat. Now you've got all made these lives. Nothing's really a treat anymore, is it? No, I mean that anticipation. But even the but even the music is phenomenal. I mean, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We got that. But then you have, if I only had a brain, yeah, you know, you know, and they could have picked a better. And I only had a heart, and I've only had the nerve. The only song I don't like is "If I Was Living on the Forest." Yeah, that got on my nerves. But I really did like the cowardly lion, though. He was I, the outfit. Uh, that was real lion. That was an actual lion. Peter would not be clean. But when he's perched on oh. that thingy, and then he jumps down, it's like that was phenomenal. And he got his tail going all over the place. He's, yeah. I mean, even even when he's dressed up as the Winky, he's got this tail going back and forth. Yeah. Underneath it. I mean. I mean, and then, you know, even in Blu-ray, when you see like, you know, you know, they do the close-ups of the scarecrow and the, and the makeup and everything. You, you can't see where the mask starts. The and, face yeah. and I mean, it's phenomenal when you think about it, you know, you know, even the witch, I mean, and covered in all that green. And I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a green, green. It's How not- long did they have to stop filming? Cause she got burned. I know her double got burned too. Well. I was watching this um, documentary on the life I know of Margaret. She was in a lot of pain for a while. Margaret Hamilton, growing up in the 80s, in the 70s and 80s in America, we end up knowing her as the Folger coffee lady. Yeah. Because that's what she did. And she would appear in, you know, the odd thing. Oh, God, I forgot she did those. Oh, my yeah. God, you've got a better memory than me. But, but she, I mean, she was, she was a kindly, I mean, everyone loved her. I mean, she was, like, but I think she got typecast after this, really. She always been known. She as. did. She was pigeonholed forever. But when she got burned, she was burned so badly that they sent her home. And she, she went to the doctors and her whole face is bandaged up. Yeah. And her daughter. Oh, her little, her little daughter. Her daughter said that her, that she was scared to death of her. And she had to like tell her daughter that, you know, don't worry, I'm underneath you. Make up. Yeah. She, was ban- she was bandaged for like eight weeks. So they had to probably yeah. shoot around her then. Well, you know. no, I mean, the thing is, she's really not in it that much. If you think about it, she well, comes in- no, she isn't technically. She has like big scenes, but they're short. Yeah. And you're right. I never. Yeah. So it's quite easy to cut around her because the thing is, they could have done the they could have done the monkey thing, the whole wizard, the wizard sequences of it, the whole getting to Oz sequences. They could cut around. And then, you know, and then what she do it, then I think she comes back and the first scene that she comes back to is um, she's looking through the glass and going to send the monkeys up. That's her first scene back. So and then I, I think they did all the black and white stuff after the fact. So. Oh. So I think that. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. So, so if you look at her, I mean, she's really she's a presence throughout the movie. But if you think about, but if you look at the scenes that she's in outside of the black and white sequences, well, I think it's because she's always in the back of your head, like she's gonna pop up. Maybe that's they did that brilliantly because that worked for me. Well, I mean, because she has that that small bit because she's not really a munchkinland that bit. She shows up, disappears, Linda shows up. Then you see her in the forest when she's trying to burn the 
the scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah, and, throw that. And, and then she shows up at Emerald City where she's above and she's flying above them, which shows her on the broomstick. And then it's when they after they leave Oz, and then she shows up there. But then even the simple fact she has her little scene with Dorothy, and then it cuts to the rest of them getting into the thingy. And it's only when she sees them running away that she's running after them. That's another scene she's in, and then she melts, and that's it. But she has a presence throughout the whole film that you assume that she's. Yeah, you know, she's she's in every single frame. I like how they did the poppy feel. Well, it was supposed to. She wanted to kill him in the book, but you know yeah. she's got the poppies. You know. Well, you know what poppies are known for, though. Yeah, that? I do. Cocaine. <laughs> opium. <laughs> so opium. Opium. Yeah, so it's all opium. So I don't know how many people fall asleep during opium. So, but anyway, <laughs> I think an opium. Does. Like I would have been picking them suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the problem with like they're, 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 there's this myth that, that if you eat too many poppy seed bagels, that basically you can get high. But I think you have to eat a no, lot. No, but of- it used to make you fail drug tests when drug tests were early. Oh, is that because it? They okay. put the poppy seeds on the buns, and people thought you were doing drugs because it would taint the appetite. <laughs> so oh, is that it? Because I remember it's like, oh, that's about- what it was. That's you actually it- feel an effect, though. Yeah, I think you have to take. I think well, there's different kinds poppies. of poppies. There's those poppies, and then there's the right, the nice poppies. Yeah. So yeah. other poppies are illegal, but I have noticed people that have had them. <laughs> I mean, I like. I mean, I even like the sequences in Ah uh, in, in Emerald City where everything's green. And the horse with a different color. They use Jello on that poor animal. I did not know that until oh, I did the research. Oh. And the poor horse kept licking himself. They tried to clean him up, but the horses kept licking the sugar off their fur. Right. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's I gotta find that. Like oh yeah, that there it is. Jello was the secret behind a horse of a different color. The purple, red, and then yellow. They used jello powder it was the safest way to achieve the various hues. Unfortunately, the horses could not stop licking off the sugary powder. Another thing to remember is in Technicolor. Technicolor, in order to film Technicolor, you have to have the lights extremely bright so it's really, really hot. So you got these sets that are really, really hot and they're all in this makeup and all these, you know, these heavy costumes and stuff like this. And the camera is shooting. So there's three, three cans of film, one shooting red, one shooting yellow, and one shooting blue. And then they and then when when they cut when they put the negatives together, that gives you your technicolor. And but Frank Morgan. That's the, the set would be something like 100 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. or what we would call is for 35 degrees Celsius. That would be like totally make you out, break you out, zit city, man, I bet. You probably had a really... That's, that's why the weed meditate. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I mean, Morgan, to be honest... He got uh, Frank Baum's coat. That's his actual jacket. I didn't know that until I started looking it up. That was pretty cool. I mean, I have to sit there and say that the only person that probably probably did okay out of that probably was Judy Garland because at least she was in normal clothing and didn't have all the makeup. Because everyone, oh my else, god, like, I know everyone else wants to be miserable because everyone is so made up and everything. It's like, <laughs> oh make- yeah, the one scene, uh, Julie Garland, like uh, what's his face off? Uh, Fleming, Victor Fleming slapped Judy Garland, and if you watch the scene when the the, the lion and her are talking. She kept laughing and they were getting pissed because she was a young girl and they just needed to get this fucking scene done. And apparently, yeah, she could not stop laughing. And Victor pulled Judy aside, slapped her on the face and told her, get in there and work. But if you notice when she's talking to the line, you see her struggling not to laugh at his face. So, I mean, you watch that scene again when they meet the lion 
and she's trying not to laugh. You could tell it's really funny, but she kept, I guess they did several takes and she just couldn't stop. I would laugh too. I mean, how do you not laugh? You know? Well, I mean, there was three directors of this film. There's Richard Tharp who was fired after two weeks. And then George Cooker, who did the women filmed for three days. And Victor Fleming took over. Oh, I didn't know Cooker was on this film. Yeah. Well, Cooker was on Gone with the Wind as well. So, I didn't know that either. So Victor Fleming came off of Gone with the Wind and George Cooker went into Gone with the Wind. So they switched. It said it cost $2.8 million to make. It only raked in $3 million during its initial release. But it did get, was very popular. I don't understand how it didn't make any money. Well, to be honest, I think it has to do with the simple fact that if tickets cost a nickel, five cents, it's going to be a hell of a lot of people to go see the film. And you got to remember that once a film was gone, it was gone. That's true. And also another interesting little fact, you know, there was a voice voice cameo in here from um, Adriana Casalotti. She was the actress who voiced Snow White. And she was the one that did Where for Art Thou, Romeo. You know, I didn't know that till I said, oh, that is so cool. I knew I knew that voice somewhere. And I couldn't place it until I looked it up this morning. It made me crazy. You know, the funny thing is, is I like Buddy Hepson. I mean, we know Buddy Hepson from Jed Clampett and, right. and Barnaby Jones. Yeah. I think Jack, I, I can't, but I think Jack Haley nailed I can't think of any, like this cast is perfect. I can't think of, I can't Jack think Haley of Haley nailed it. They were, they were perfect together. I can't see Shirley Temple doing this. I love Shirley Temple. I'm a huge Shirley I love Temple. her too, but you I know, but I films. think Shirley Temple, I think that you need it. I hate to say this. It's going to sound, I don't know how to word this right. Shirley Temple had a little girl's voice, but I think the fact that we had a more mature voice, not quite woman, not quite little girl, kind of, you know, just got hit it just right. If you know what I'm saying, I'm trying to well, find The same year that Judy Garland did this movie, she did the Oscars the following year, and she sang that song to Clark Gable. What's it called? Oh, God. But, but and she... And she you know, she had a picture. She had, she did a scene where she had like Clark Gable, and you know, writing this letter to him and singing this song. And and the thing about Judy Garland is, she had a very adult sounding voice, which fit. Yeah, she but had a even, beautiful voice. She was a hell of an mm-hmm. entertainer. And if you think about the Wizard of, I mean, there's a there is it's quite interesting. But if you do get the Blu-ray or DVD of it, there is a scene that they cut out called the Jitterbug. That they cut out. And if you see the stage productions, they have put the scene back in. Right. So basically, there's these jitterbugs that come down and she sings the song, The Jitterbug, and they do like this jitterbug dance situation. I have never seen that. But it's quite interesting. But, the, but it's kind of odd because at the end of the day, Judy Garland doesn't really, she only has one song, really. Every, all, the only person that has two songs is the, the Cowardly Lion. Wow, you're right. I didn't think. You know what was funny? And this is, I didn't understand this stuff. But you know that uh, Margaret uh, Margaret Hamilton used to sneak into Billy Burke's dressing room, and apparently her dressing room was a canvas tent, which she so described as simply god awful. And I guess Billy's dressing room was a beautiful blue and pink room on the MGM lot. So whenever Billy wasn't in the set, they said Margaret used to sneak in there and eat her lunch because hers was so heinous. <laughs> well, you got to remember that Billy Burke was a huge star because she just did Topper. Oh, wow. I top, didn't, that did, was her? Yeah, she did the Topper film series. So she was big. She did the Topper film series. So oh, wow. Was, that is she her, was a big isn't star. it? I didn't even put that together. No and 
the interesting thing is Bert Lahr and Ray Bolger and, and Jack Haley. Haley. The, what they're, they're from vaudeville. Yes, and, that I uh, know. And right. what uh, the thing is that they used to work with Gypsy Rosalie. No. Yeah, they're all connected in that. They kind of worked. They say, There's a story there. <laughs> but but they were but they, the thing is they were they were children. So they 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 used to open they used to work with Dainty June and her farm boys from Gypsy. No shit. How yeah. funny. So, so it's quite interesting. And then the, and of course Jack Haley's son went on to um to marry like, Liza Minnelli. Yeah, but he also ran MGM for a little while. Yes, he did. So, they didn't what, last long. I think they were only married for like five. Wait, wait, Judy Garland. Wait, was it Eliza Minnelli that married Jack Haley's son? That's gonna. I would imagine. Now. I don't think it would have been Judy. Judy oh, only. Wait, okay, yeah, Judy Garland's daughter Liza Minnelli was married to Jack Haley's son. They did only last five years, seventy-four to seventy-nine. Well, what that's not, that, but that's her. That's her longest relationship. I was gonna say, doesn't anybody make it? <laughs> They really messed her up with the drugs, though. They got that poor woman addicted early. Well, because what you forget, what you also forget is that Wizard of Oz wasn't the only thing she was doing. She was doing all the Andy Hardy films as well. Yeah, yeah. And so she was, I mean, so once she was- Well, they wanted more predictivity of her. She was tired. Yeah. So they were giving her uppers. But she was doing something like 20 films a year. And that's short films, the Andy Hardy series, and the Wizard of Oz at the same time. So she's doing all that. So they used to give her uppers to perform, downers to go to sleep. And that's what they did. Because she was yeah, working exactly. But at the same time, her parents, because she was Frances Gum, and she was part of the Gum Sisters, which was like the singing sister trio. And Judy got taken. So what happens is the other ones fell to the side. So it was up to Judy to support her family. So they so they were condoning this because the more that she worked, the more money she brought into the family. So so even though it's a studio, it's a studio horror story, but it's also a family horror story as well because they needed to make as much money off Judy as possible. And Judy Garland always thought she was ugly. It's only until she did Meet Me in St. Louis with yeah. um, Manelli, and he and and he filmed her and she felt she found herself beautiful, which caused her to marry him, which he was a gay guy. Cause she Judy happened to marry a lot of gay guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like Liza. Liza married a lot of gay guys. Well, <laughs> well back then though, there was marriage of convenience to hide the fact that they were gay too. So well, I, I he was a director, so it probably wouldn't make that much. And there's a lot of gay directors at the time. George Cooker was gay. Yeah. Vincent Minnelli was gay. I don't but think also, people were- I also think that I also think that. It seems funny that gay icons tend to surround themselves with gay. People. I mean, like Judy with a gay icon, and so and then and then I also find funny that gay icons end up having gay children, like Cher. <laughs> she didn't just have. I don't know what she gave birth to. Well, no, she had two, but she has two gay children. I mean, she had. Are Chastity. they both gay? Yeah, Chastity was gay, and then she became. Now she's a guy. A, and then, and then the other one, the gay, she has a gay son. You know, Judy's daughter Liza became a gay icon, and then she had a gay son. Barbara Streisand's got a gay son. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, I don't keep up with all that stuff. God, man, I don't remember. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny when you think about these gay icons and having gay children. It's kind of weird. Well, if you notice, they're the fave that a lot of the drag, the drag entertainers like to do them the best. Like every time I've been to a show, they've always had a Liza Minnelli or a Judy Garland. 
you know? Yeah. Well, Liza's very easy because Liza's full of mannerisms. She is, isn't she? I mean, there, there's a... There's a show over here called, well, it's French and Saunders, and they do this take of, they do a piss take of That's Entertainment, that film series where they do the best yeah, of. Yeah. And they uh, they got one of them dressed as Liza Minnelli. She goes, hi, I am Judy Minnelli. I mean, I'm Liza Garland. No, I'm Liza Minnelli. <laughs> My mother was the late, great Judy Garland. <laughs> and, oh, God, and, it's so And every time Liza Minnelli says something, and she's always talking about her mom being the late, great Judy Garland every time. Like. <laughs> She's well, really in bad shape now. She's in a wheelchair and she's been. Well, she has more pins in her. Le- she has a lot of pins and stuff in her legs from. She does. From her dance. It's trip. so sad scene. She used to be a hell of a dancer, though, too. That's why. It's hell, so sad. hell of a drug addict as well, though. So. Well, yeah. It's Hollywood, though. You know, it's, they never. That They just do. They just self-medicate as soon as they get there. Well, I mean, to be honest, Liza was a much of a Hollywood actress. She's more of a Broadway performer. Yeah, true. But. You know, if you look at your mom as being a drug addict and then the, then the daughter becomes a drug addict, chances are it's probably a little bit more hereditary than, than probably normal. But because if you look at Lorna Luff, the other sister who was in Greece too, she didn't suffer those fates, but she did no, suffer. She did, other, she? But, she, but she did suffer other things of depression and stuff like that, she says. So obvious. And I imagine living with. Judy, I mean, when Judy died, she was young. She was only in her 40s, early 40s. No, she wasn't and, and she, old and at she, all. And she looked, six, she looked 60, 70 when she died. Well, the drinking. I mean, drinking and, and the pills, the barbiturates they were always on back then. I mean, all that's so bad for well, you. She was, but she was also very problematic later on in her career because I think her, one of her last films was, well, she did Judgment at Nuremberg, which she had a short cameo and she got fantastic reviews. But then she did A Star is Born and there was a lot of problems with her showing up on I set. I know, but I love that that version that is such with her and james mason that is such yeah. a good version i mean it's a brilliant version but the thing is is that you know and she always had to work because every per every manager she had ripped her off she was penniless you know she did she get fucked over quite a bit she so, did i was keeping that too you know and the relationships weren't working and the relationships that she would have they were using her and it's all and it's all really really sad and so you know, and it's quite sad because when you do see the Wizard of Oz, you see all this hope and this this yeah. person who's got all mm-hmm. this promise in the world at her, her feet. Her eyes are different. Her eyes are brighter. They're full of life. And then you see her a couple like like even 12 years down the road after yeah. her first suicide attempt. She never got that light back in her eyes. Yeah, and, and she just, you know, and, it, and, you know, she's a and she's also, you know, a thing to remember, she's a woman of hollywood in the 30s and 40s well late 30s well it really sucked for women as we both know you aged you aged out at the age of 30 by the time you were 30 that's you're old you're old well look what they did to betty davis and joan crawford perfect examples of how they spit yeah and they weren't that old and whatever happened to baby jane at all i mean you think they were my age i don't feel like i'm ready to be put out past you i mean a few things hurt but you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but they, but they put them in all these hag horror things because that's all that. that I'm about. sorry, but that one with the axe, the, the axe, what is that? With Joe? I, love I love that movie. That I is one that of her one. best performances. I don't give a shit if it's a horror movie. She is fucking awesome in that movie. Straight Jacket. Straight Jacket. Yes, that's it. That. Yeah. She was fucking yeah. excellent in that. It's one, I don't care. It was one of her best parts. 
but even, but even Debbie Reynolds ended up doing Hey Horror when she did Who Slew Auntie Rue and all those other ones. And what's the matter with I never that? saw that. I've never. Oh, seen they're that. excellent. Whatever happened to Aunt Helen? And it's her and remember those. It's her and Shelly Winters. No shit, they put those two together. Yeah. That's perfect. Oh my it's god, excellent. perfect. Yeah, I whatever, can't... whatever happened to Aunt Helen? There's a bunch of films like that. Who Slew Auntie Rue? Another one with Shelly Winters. Oh, I've never movie. heard of them. It's sort of like uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. I don't know. I don't know why that just popped in my head. I love that's Arsenic one of my favorite Lace. movies of all. Carrie Carrie Grant is sexy in that. So he is sexy. Isn't it a shame that guys used to dress so cool? Now look at you. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, but the thing is, but you know, if you look at people like Cary Grant, James Stewart, Humphrey Bogart, I just love that they, overcoat with the hat, fedora thing. That is but the so problem, cool. the problem basically is those men worked forever. And you look at the, if you look at the women they worked with, at one point you don't hear from them ever again. Inside. I'm just trying to figure out how these women kept their waist that big. They had, they were itty bitty women. They were just petite. I mean, God, the I wonder, I wonder how many of them had girdles. Oh, they, that's what the mom said. That was the secret. I remember moms jumped through on that thing on when she was a young woman. You know, I was a little, but, I mean, and you got to remember the girdles they weren't putting on themselves. So they had someone probably putting their bat, their, their knee into their bat and yanking. The corset ones. They probably, yeah. women use corsets still. Them. And so that basically. all up your organs down. That, yeah. And so that's, and they had, and women end up having a lot of problems. That's all it. right. I'll just look fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look like a salami. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're all they're all like shaped like Jessica Rabbit. So yeah, well, well, they were they did have the hourglass figures, but they also did wear a corset of sorts back then because it did push this up and that out. So yeah, precisely. So and again, that waist that was very tiny. So but big me, boobs it, it, really weren't in. You only had very few people had big tits back then, like Mae West and stuff. But you see, you know, Vivian Lee and Gone with the Wind or whatever. You don't see big cantaloupe, you know. Yeah, but I also think that the, the corset would actually push them together like this. And give them a poof. Yeah. And then it pushed them up. And meanwhile, it pushed all this down. It, those things are so uncomfortable. I dressed up for Halloween with them. And I mean, I, no, women were fainting for a reason back then. Mm -hmm. They had the ethers because they couldn't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> it's God honest truth. It's, uh, they couldn't breathe and... They're walking around and they couldn't walk for very long either because Whale they, boat they, they would fall over. So all the illusion of perfection. So kind uh, of yeah, the, the, the illusion of perfection is not reality. So. <laughs> little bitty feet. Well, I went into Universal Studios and even Lucille Ball stuff they had out. They had a special Lucille Ball thing when I happened to be there. She was petite. I mean, their waists were that little. These were, I mean, we're all kind of like woof now, you know. And we gravitated or evolved a little more hulkier. But I mean, my size 10 or 12 or 13 would have not been the same size 10, 12 or 13 for back then. You know. Well, I remember going to the Smithsonian and look at, we saw the ruby slippers. Oh, I bet. Oh, and, 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 and you saw the outfits and Judy Garland was very petite. And the, and the, it and was the, and the ruby slippers were probably about. This, you know, not very. It's probably like a size four or something ridiculous. Yeah, right? I mean, they're very small. They look like toddler shoes almost. You know, I mean, they there they had several pairs. They had the, they had they had because they were like tilted up, but they had like 
the toe was extended to make it look a bit longer, but you could see where the foot would end, like just be, just as they were going in situation, and the toe was a bit longer, right. like, longer version of her feet situation. What were they made out of? Were they just like sequins? They were, they were basically, to be honest, I was quite disappointed with them a little bit because for some reason you expected the wow, but then you have to remember. The wow the, red the, popping in your face. Yeah, because all they are is a lot of red bugle beads. So, oh, is that all it is? Yeah. And you know those red discs that they put on clothing? It's like right, that, right. all made of, all made of that. Which um, would, I guess the technicolors what made them pop. They really weren't that red then. Yeah, they were red, but they weren't. Yeah. Like like that red thing. So it was interesting. So and then but then he saw her outfit and it was just like it was like a child's outfit, you know. Wow. Well she was a child basically. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking she's short, you know. But I think she was if you look at all the pictures, even when she's with uh Mickey Rooney, they that they had that huge on off screen, not a romance, I don't think, was it? But they were I don't know, or... but the thing is when they ever show them side by side, they were Match size size wise, and as we know, well, that's Mickey, what I was wondering because he was small, very <laughs> small. Which we saw later in life how small he was when he got it. We became an older man. He was popping up here and there. I'm we still trying talking. to figure out why all these women kept marrying him. <laughs> Probably, well, he was got, broke as fuck from all these divorces. So I mean, come well, on. you know, if you have a seven inch dick and you got a you know five inch plane, it looks bigger. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I mean. You know, I remember telling one person, they go, uh, one person comes and goes, how can I get a bigger dick? I go, go out with someone with a really small hand. <laughs> Leandro's <laughs> just not saying anything. <laughs> you jump in anytime, Leandro. Yeah, getting back to the Wizard of Oz. I mean, I think what what we'll do is we'll, we'll rate the Wizard of Oz really quick. So, Leander, how many stars do you give the Wizard of Oz? I think four. Uh, I really, it was really cool. If you think of the time that the movie was done, the the visual effects are really cool. At the same time, I think the directors were a bit big cruel in one way. Like, for example, that lady that got burned. The witch, you know, that got burned. Well, apparently, what I heard, like, then they have to put that paint over the the skin, and that was yeah. making carry on burning. So I think I don't know, but they I think Vaseline, after, they used Vaseline over it. Then they had to put the makeup over the yeah. Mask. It took them a while I to figure they, that one out. I don't remember. I think I heard that then she sued the studio. I think. Well, a Benny uh, Epson got I was highly allergic to it. So that's that's what happened with him. He got it in his lungs and he was never the same. Yeah. They sprayed yeah. it on him. I guess they sprayed it. Well, what's interesting so, about uh, never, what's interesting about that, if you ever watch the James Bond Goldfinger, uh-huh. And the way that they killed the girl is they spray paint. Don't be a spoiler, I haven't seen it. Goldfinger. Oh, is I not, I'm not I need to the, watch it. I haven't seen it. It's not uh, a spoiler. They, they, no, it's not a spoiler. They well, it's oh. called Goldfinger, and she's it's on Goldfinger for obvious reason. And she she's on she's okay. on the cover as a dead body. But the, how how the character and not in real life, but in the in the in she's the alive. It's they didn't really kill her, Leandro. 
How the villain kills the girl in Goldfinger is he spray paints her gold and then her, her skin suffocates and that's how she dies. Thank you. And that's all, that's probably much what happened to Buddy Epson when he was doing this. Okay. Well, they, I mean, it's toxic. Then they, then they, they didn't know the much paint, about they? back then. Well, I think I, I probably what they probably did, and I hate to say it because they said that, you know, the paint that they used, they probably used real paint. It wasn't makeup. Right. I think I and have it up paint. still what they used. Keep talking. Because they said that they used paint. He was allergic to the paint. They didn't say he was allergic to makeup. They said he was allergic to the paint. That's so true. They, they That's probably true. painted his skin. Which, and the thing is, you got to remember that your skin is a living organ. That's and true. Breathe, and if it doesn't breathe, it suffocates. That's true. And if it's got lead in it, and paint at that time had lead in it, you know. Well, all paint's got lead in it, let's face it. So... But back then, all paint had lead in it. If uh, whatever you're using on the walls had lead in it, whatever you're painting, you know, if you're painting a scenery, it had lead in it. So uh, it wasn't a good time for paint. <laughs> Apparently not. That's going to bug me. And I you doubt know, the that Tin Man, wait, before I forget, you know, one that looks like he's crying, the oil? Yeah. Yeah. That is chocolate syrup. I did not know that. Oh. And they said Buddy Epson, let me see, he wanted to be, he said a terrible reaction to the aluminum dust. That was used as the initial costume. His lungs started collapsing and he was hospitalized for a week. And even Jack Haley caught a severe eye infection due to the makeup. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that. But so saying with that, aluminum dust, they sprayed him with aluminum. Oh, my God. There we <laughs> the go. The 11 o'clock, the floor is right there. So, <sighs> But, you know, I had to then say, though. Okay, um, well, how many stars did you give it, Vicky? And I'll give it my final. I'm still going to give it five because it's just been a favorite since I was a little kid. It just brings back good memories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just love the music. And what's that? I mean, who doesn't know all the music? And, you know, it's just, it's iconic. I showed, I'm going to give it a solid five. I showed us the Ferris and he's never seen it before. And he loved he's it. never seen it. No, he, and he loved it. He never seen it. And he's like, oh my God, this is because I go get ready. You're going to be seeing it once a year now. But, <laughs> But, Maybe twice. <laughs> but the, I think I think the reason why this film for me is iconic, and uh, and this is unfortunate for the actors, but Billy Burke is Glinda. Yeah. The Tinsman, the Lion, the Scarecrow, the Witch. Unfortunately, I think after they made this movie, because it's such an iconic movie, I think it probably hindered them from finding work after this. Because every time I saw Margaret Hamilton, I think Wicked Witch. Every time I see Burt Lahr. Well, she I was in a funny. couple of the Ma and Pa Kettle movies. And I think she was in Abbott Costello movie, too. Yeah, she did. But every time you see her, you think Wicked Witch. She was a witch in the Abbott Costello yeah. movie. But, but, even, but, even when she was, but even when she wasn't playing a witch, you thought, which, you know, or every time he saw Burt Lahr and any other character, I mean, Burt Lahr did Abbott Costello and he's done a lot. He, he pops up in a lot of stuff once, you know, and you'll see him in a lot of black and white films. But every time I see him, I think Cowardly Lion. And so I think I think it, in a way Burt it's Lahr like forever is the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. And Ray Bulger, when Ray Bulger showed up in the Partridge family as Shirley's dad. Still was the scarecrow. He's still the scarecrow. And well, he was just in an episode of Little House on the Prairie, and he was the scarecrow. scarecrow just, yeah. And um, Jack Haley. I mean, there's been a couple things I've seen him pop up in some Marx Brothers films and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Tin Men, and you know, even, and 
And if you get a time and anyone out there wants to know more about Margaret Hamilton, there's some good YouTube things about her. But what's also interesting is Margaret Hamilton on Mr. Rogers neighborhood where she comes in and talks about how she played a witch, but just because she played a witch, she's still a very, you know, that doesn't mean that she's a witch in real life and how you have to judge people, not by the roles they play, but by who they are. There's like a lot of characters on soap operas. Like there's one right now. She plays Nina on general hospital and she's such a horrible person on that show that she gets accosted on the street. Like it's a show people. I know. Well, I mean, I think today, I think it's a bit better than what it was. I remember in the, when we were growing up, you'd hear all these stories about people in soap operas. because I think people thought they were real. I think they thought they were documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the mermaid documentary that everybody thought was real. The mermaids, yeah. remember they did that and they thought they were real mermaids. Yeah. People are, people really need to get out, get out more. So. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next, we will be doing Batman the Anime Series. We'll be covering four episodes, which will include Avatar, House and Gardens, The Terrible Trio, and Harlequinade, where it's a whole story dealing with Harley Quinn. And, of course, our two-for-one will be continuing our Oz theme with Return to Oz from 1985 and Oz the Great and Powerful from 2013. And our anthologies will continue with Twilight Zone, the movie from 1983 and Night Gallery, the movie from 1969. And of course, Doctor Who will be back with the Celestial Toymaker and the Gunfighters, which aired on the 2nd of April to the 21st of May, 1966. Dang, they're only And we will be back next month for our book to screen for Once Upon a Time with Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf from 1981 and the classic film Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vicky. Night, guys. Good night, Leandro. Good night, everyone. I'll see you next week for Batman. When all the world is a hopeless jumble. And the raindrops tumble all around Heaven opens a magic lane When all the clouds darken up the skyway There's a rainbow highway to be found Place behind the sun, just a step beyond the rain. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a In a love